0: The Blast from Our Past Network.
1: Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts,
2: Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode,
1: Elves! Starring Dan Haggerty, Julie Austin, and Bora Silver. Ho, ho, ho! It's Santa Claus here, and I just would like to tell you a little story. Once upon a time, there was an elf. This elf, well, he was a little naughty, and he wanted to impregnate... His daughter. And he did. And when he did, their child became the seed from which all Christmas miracles happen. <laughs> just kidding. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, was that Santa Claus who just came <laughs> into your garden? That was Nazi Santa Claus, is what that was. Wow. Uh,
2: yeah, we're we This is a little freaky. I'm sure Santa might pop back up later on in the episode, but until then, welcome to Podcasting After Dark, everyone. It is our final episode of 2023. It is our Christmas-themed episode. My pick, Zach, Tiny T. Uh, and joining me, as always, is my bodacious, beautiful co-host, sweet, sexy C, little Cory Gory. Ho, 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 Corey. Welcome to the most deranged movie I think we've ever covered in in our entire pad history.
0: I mean, bro, this movie is fucking wild on e. I Man, I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, quite possibly our most deranged movie. At the very least, our most, and this is compared to Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and 2, this is our most deranged Christmas movie we've ever done.
2: That is a fact. That is a factual statement absolutely that is a that um yeah maybe not our most weirdest most bizarre but definitely our most bizarre christmas movie we've ever done
0: it's our most scandalous that's for sure i mean my god there's nazis there's incest i just oh my
2: (laughs) yeah and i have a feeling uh and if you're just joining us right now you hit the 30 second forward button on the uh apple podcast or wherever you're listening to us um We're talking about 1989's Elves, and that is tonight's movie we'll be breaking down. Um, Spoiler, it's got Nazis, it's got incest, it's got uh, perverted brothers, uh, and it's got... (laughs) Grizzly Adams! Grizzly Adams, thank you. (laughs) Uh, So it's got everything you'd want in a Christmas movie, and a whole lot more! And correct me if I'm wrong, David,
0: but I think this movie has our buddy David Irons heart because I think he loves this one, doesn't he?
2: David Irons loves it. Uh, Paul London from Territory Marks loves it. He's brought it up several times. In fact, that's the reason I brought it to pad tonight because uh, when I was sifting around through Christmas movies, I was like, well, that could work. Oh, this could work. Oh, some people consider this not to be a Christmas movie, but it could still work. Diallo, you know you're <laughs> listening. Kiss, kiss. Uh, but this one in particular, I was like, we got to do it. We got to pull the trigger. So really quickly, my history with elves. I've never seen it ever, but I'm <laughs> familiar with it up and down. And when I went hunting for this film, I could not find it anywhere because no mainstream boutique market or Blu-ray company Makes it so uh, I found it on YouTube, and I also found a bootleg copy. Uh, the company will remain nameless because I don't want them to get shut down because they had some pretty good stuff on there. So if yeah. you just search, search bootleg elves or whatever elves on DVD, I'm sure you can find it. And I found a copy. I found two copies, and it was delivered to me within a week. Yeah. And we got it to Corey when Corey came down here to visit. Um, and it was glorious being able to give it to him in hand versus spending $5 to ship it up to Oregon. Yeah, and dude, we actually got to watch it together for funsies.
0: Uh, with, we watched with, it with Diallo, too, I with, believe. Yeah, with Diallo. Um, none of us were kind of, you know, it was, it was total, all of us talking, all of us kind of like looking at the TV but then talking and kind of paying attention, and I saw some wild shit on that viewing. And then when I actually watched it to pay attention to it, I'm like, this movie's even wilder than what I even, I even gleaned on that first sort of funsies viewing. So, yeah, and then like you, dude, I've, I've never seen it prior to that. I know the VHS, I, I recognize the cover. Uh, I recognize the the image of, especially of the, the elf, the creature troll elf wearing the Santa hat for that one shot. I recognize that. Um, but other than that, I had never seen it before. So this is all, this. it's great because this is the first time for
2: both you and me. Yeah, first time uh, for first time viewing for both of us. And I'm going to tell you right now, the only feedback I've ever heard outside of David and Paul is a lot of haters who ripped this movie to shreds up and down. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, I don't agree with the haters. I agree with the lovers. Dude, it's like this is the theme
0: for 2023's Christmas. It was and we didn't plan this at all. Both movies. Neither of us had seen before picking them. And dare I say, I know for a fact for Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, but dare I say for for both of them, we were pleasantly surprised by both of them. That's the theme that's going on right now. I I may not love this one as much as Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, but I love it infinitely more than I ever dared hoped I would.
2: Yeah, this is the gift you get on Christmas where you open it up and you're like, why did I get this? But then you actually start playing with it or you start using it and you go, I'm so glad I got this. It's
0: kind of like I always give my mom a Christmas list every year. I don't really need anything, but, you know, she wants to get me some, you know, some stuff. So I'm like, sure, fine. And she I didn't have it on my list. I don't know how it happened, but she got me your next um, and I think I wanted something else or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, this movie. I kind of had no interest in it.
2: I and didn't want I w- that, Mom. I
1: wanted it follows. follow. <laughs> I, I,
0: I did say thank you, and I was very nice. Because weirdly, I've always been like that. Even as a kid, if I get a present, I am super grateful for it. Even if I, A, already have it, or B, um, uh, don't want it, I never let the person know. But... <laughs> I I wound up watching your next and freaking loved it. So it was like one of those awesome surprises that my mom got me. And now Elves kind of falls into that category where yeah, I would look at that cover and be like, oh wow, why why would I ever watch this? But boy oh boy, I am so glad we did, dude, because this is this is a hoot. This is a hoot and a holler.
2: A hoot and a holler, and I'll tell you right now, folks, uh, because I have a feeling sometimes people. Start listening to our show, and if they've never seen the movie, they'll pause it and then go watch the movie. So we're just going to give you a heads up right now. If you find the version that's on YouTube— and Which I
0: posted m- which I posted for free on the Patreon, uh, our, our Patreon app.
2: Oh, okay, great. And if you're not a patron, go to patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark and join today. It's totally worth it. Um, the resolution is terrible. And because it's like a copy of a copy and it's very dark, uh, at times the, the, the DVD was the same way. It was really hard to see certain things in scenes. That's why I'm going to need my, my compadre here to help me out at certain points because I'm like, who did that? Was it Brooke? Was it Amy? where the hell's the records room?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And there's no, uh, I don't think there was any subtitles on it. uh, Right.
2: No subtitles on the DVD. Uh, Fortunately on the YouTube version there is. So I watched that as well to get a few extra juicy tidbits of dialogue that got buried due to a terrible German accent by one particular actor in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wait, one, all of them. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, so, heads up folks if you if you go watch it right now uh you're gonna miss a bunch of things probably unless you br- turn the bright all the way up to 100 percent and shine a flashlight on it at the same time
0: yeah unfortunately it is what it is like zach says our, our dvd bootleg is clearly like a rip of a vhs um i it gives me nostalgic feels for that sort of era but it doesn't make for the best like trying to be thorough about everything when breaking things down um also The information on this movie is next to nothing. Obviously, Zach and I didn't have any access to special features on on the DVD, um, and the IMDb trivia section has absolutely nothing. I'm sure there is information out there. I'm sure David probably knows all of it, Um, but I'm not going to be bringing any knowledge to the table with this, unfortunately. So I'm just going to be commenting on what I see and what I think is happening.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Hey, why don't we jump into the cast and crew and all that good stuff, all that junk, as uh, Egg Shen would say, or all that stuff, as Egg Shen would say in Big Trouble in Little China. Um, Dan Haggerty is the star of this film. Dan Haggerty, I think most people know as Grizzly Adams.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly can say that I've never seen... Grizzly Adams before but I know it so well to the point where you know as a even as a kid me and my buddies would see somebody with a beard we'd call them Grizzly Adams like it's just it's such an interesting thing how much something can permeate pop culture even if you've never actually seen it
2: yeah yeah he's a household name and you know when Diallo was watching this with us and I started doing some research on Grizzly Adams. The show wasn't on for very long, actually. And he had a kind of a storied career doing, you know, straight-to-video, uh, lesser-known films. He's had a checkered past. Uh, he's no longer with us, sadly. But, uh, man, he—he's a he's a really fun person to see on screen. He brings a certain gravitas that I don't think I've ever seen before or since with him. Yeah, and honestly, man, it's
0: it's great to see a fucking heavy guy, like, actually as a lead. Because, um, you know, Zach and I kind of joke nowadays, like, there's no fat character actors anymore. No one's got, like, messed up teeth or whatever because everybody wants that MCU money, you know? So they're all jacked. They're all on steroids. Everyone has perfectly capped teeth. Everyone has perfect skin now. And it was it's just nice to actually see a normal looking human being on screen.
2: Yeah, totally agree. And uh, you know, we don't even get that with John Goodman anymore. Like
0: I know. Seriously. Like and if you watch righteous gemstones, like they even like, you know, uh, do you like CGI effects on his face now and stuff to make him younger? It's just man, guys, it's I you know what? I just prefer to live in a world of 80s movies, man. I don't even watch anything new anymore. It's all just it's repulsive to me. Yeah, how fake us... everything is
2: becoming. As Eddie Money says,
1: I want to go back, back, go back and dude. do it all over, but I can't go back. I, I know. know.
0: By the way, fun fact about Corey, that is like probably top five, one of my top five favorite songs of all time.
2: Oh, it's well, rightfully so. It's a it's a jam. It um, is. It's a ditty. Julie, Julie Austin plays Kirsten. Uh, she's got no IMDb picture, sadly. I think she's really good in this. She was in a handful of movies, including Extreme Justice with Scott Glenn and Lou Diamond Phillips and Super Force. Super Force is going to come up a couple times with our good buddy, Ken Oland.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, is Super Force ever going to come to TV Obscura? Because it looks pretty rad.
2: It definitely will. And Ken Olin is a friend of ours. And don't be surprised if he shows up on pad and $2 late fee in 2024. Yeah, Some because,
0: grief. yeah, because side note, we uh, we had lunch with him uh, at Comic-Con, and he was freaking awesome. Me, Zach, uh, Dustin, and Diallo had lunch with Ken Olin and uh, Jill Sholin, and both of them are great. But Ken Olin, like, talked to me the whole time we were walking, and it was, like, the first time, like, he met me. And he was super personable. It wasn't, like, just him talking at me. Like, we actually had a conversation the entire time. And I was like, dude, you're awesome. So, yeah, man, I hope we get to talk to him. And maybe... We do it when we talk about Super Force.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deanna Lund plays Kirsten's mother. That's her name, Kirsten's <laughs> <Queen> mother. bitch. <laughs> I mean, t- trust us, folks. It's going to get good. Uh, she's been in a handful of movies as well. Nothing that really necessarily stands out, uh, but it's a lot of stuff that definitely would feel definitely fits a pad mold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a USA up all night kind of movies, which is yes. interesting because it looks like a bunch of sleazy movies. But she clearly has a body double in this movie.
2: She does. An interesting body double, which we'll <laughs> get to later. Uh, when we Bora, actually see her vulva in, uh, in the water. <laughs> yes, we do. We surely do. Even in terrible bootleg DVD. Uh, Bora Silver plays Kirsten's grandfather. He was in uh, escape from New York, small role. blue collar. He was the dog shit. He was his name was Dogshit Miller in Blue collar. <laughs> if you guys have never seen Blue Collar, it's Yafet Koto, Richard Pryor, Harvey Keitel. They're three guys who work on the Detroit uh, auto assembly line and decide to rob like a bank or do a pull a heist. and there's it gets dark real fast.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, and uh, uh, Cliff DeYoung is in it, uh, in that movie, and I know him from Shock Treatment, which I actually prefer over uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. <laughs>
2: uh, Mansell Rivers Bland plays Rubens Kruz I'm going to get this name butchered all night. Ruben Kruz. Ruben Cruz. Ruben, Ruben Cruz. Kruz. Ruben Kruz. You guys just need to remember this. I will refer to him as the head Nazi, the head German, Ruben Cruz. I'll do my best to get his name, but I will probably butcher it. Uh, he's been in a handful of things, too, including Lady in White, which is a really cool horror film.
0: Yeah, the that movie, I think that movie traumatized a bunch of kids. Not quite the same as NeverEnding Story did, but I still kind of put it... In that category of traumatic movies, when it's 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 a lot scarier than you think it is, and I, it really stuck with me.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Well, it's he really actually, good, yeah, yeah, he's um, yeah, Ruben Kurds. um <laughs> Christopher Graham plays Sweet Dick Willie. Sorry, Willie, a uh, little perverted Willie. He's he's a little pervert, Willie. He's only got two credits to his name, so that's all we're gonna say about that.
1: Yep. Okay. And <laughs> so Laura Lick
2: Lickstein, Laura Lick, Oh my God, these names. Laura Lickstein plays Brooke, um, one of Kirsten's friends. Uh, you know. That's about it about that one. No, no IMDb <laughs> photos. Uh, Stacy Die plays Amy. Uh, one you know, she's been in <laughs> right that's, all, that's all about it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, there you go. So uh, I, I'm just going to shout out one more uh, that stands out to me. It's Hugh Reed uh, played by Michael Tatlock. He's actually had a pretty decent career uh, for the past 20, 30 years. And then he's, his. his one of the newest things he did was in 2019. So there you go. <laughs> I'm not going to mention what it was because it's like a short film, but but who cares? He's, and- he's working.
0: Yeah, and I'll call out uh, Ken Carpenter, Uh, he plays Shaver, which I think is one of the the Nazi bad guys, I believe, Um, but he was in Hellraiser 3, he was the Cenobite that, I think he was like a cameraman, and then gets turned into a Cenobite with the camera eye on or whatever, so I was like, yeah, he's pretty terrible in this, and uh, there's probably a reason he doesn't say much in hellraiser 3 but
2: you know hellraiser 3 is the one that jumped the shark for me because i'm like the guy has a, a camera in his uh, head and like he come on this and there's
0: the cd guy the cd with his heads had cds that's so in it Stupid. yeah, yeah.
2: when yeah. there's no room in hell well, no no that's dawn of the dead uh we have mm-hmm. such sights to show you and that's the point where i was like i don't want to see your sights anymore well, you're about to say when there's no room in hell.
0: They actually quote that in this. When there's
2: no room in hell, the elves will walk the earth. The so. elves, exactly. <laughs> um, the director is Jeffrey Mandel, and he, he has only done really less than a handful of movies uh, as a director, but he was a writer for the TV show Super Force that we talked about earlier from 90 yeah. to 92.
0: Yeah, so we'll probably revisit him again
2: when we do Super Force. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely worth bringing up in the near in the near future. Anything else you want to point out? Uh, Music? No, I mean, he co-wrote... Cinematography? Yeah, no, he co-wrote the... The director also co-wrote
0: the the story as well. Um, And, yeah, the cinematographer is Kenny Carmack. And, uh, basically, he's done... The movies that you expect him to do, uh, like this ilk, essentially. But he also he also worked on Cyber Chick, uh, which is interesting. Um, I thought that was super Force for one second, but it's not. So yeah, that's about it. It's a uh, it's pretty bare bones, guys. Like half the people on this cast did like one or two things other than this, and have no IMDb photos. And it's, it's honestly, it's really Dan Haggerty's movie essentially.
2: It is whether he likes it or not, but it's being covered on our show, so it's got to be pretty popular.
0: Yeah, I think so, and people seem to be excited about it as well. And also, too, I see a lot of uh, other horror podcasts of similar ilk as us uh, seem to be covering it this year, too. So who knows? Maybe we'll help boost the signal, and maybe Vinegar Syndromes or Synapse or Blue Underground will release it. I mean, if they do, man, if they put out a Blu-ray or a 4K, I will fucking buy it right away.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully they'll get it in 2024, which will celebrate its 25th release. Or 35th, sorry, 35th release. Yeah, there you go. 35th year, 35th anniversary. Um, Before we jump into the movie, and I think a lot of people will not see this unless they find the same bootleg dvd that we got (laughs) uh there is a trailer in the beginning of elves for a movie called alien seed starring eric estrada it Uh, is glorious it is amazing
0: dude i love that trailer and you see the whole movie in the trailer up to the climax it's wild and you can tell eric estrada probably realistically only did three days worth of shooting. It's uh, oh my God. It was glorious. Alien Sea, dude is
2: awesome. Yeah. If you've never seen it um, at least go watch the trailer because it's, it's, it's amazing.
0: It, it is. It really is.
2: <laughs> but without further ado, when there is no more room in hell, the elves will walk the earth. Let's get it
1: going. An innocent romp in the woods turns into a hellish nightmare when an evil force is accidentally awakened. Action International Pictures presents The Gruesome Holiday Shocker Elves. They're not working for Santa anymore. I had a rough day at work.
3: Santa got murdered.
1: Their mission: to mate with a virgin and conquer the world as a pint-sized master race. I'm saving it
3: for someone special.
1: Dan Haggerty stars as Mike McGavin, an ex-detective working on hard times. First you stand, and then you die. She is the most important person on earth. From her will grow the new order. Santa must expose this unholy force before the Elves destroy Christmas. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Elves. They're not working for Santa anymore. The movie cold opens
2: uh, with various Christmas ornaments, Christmas tree, Christmas uh, little ballet dancer. I'm sure Corey loved that because he loves the ballet. I do. I
0: do. It's so weird. I do. I'm Um, going to the ballet this Saturday.
2: (laughs) Then there's an ornament falling to the ground and breaking with the generic text title of Elves. Still better than Split Second, by the way.
0: Yes. Still better than split second. Um, not as artistic as silent night, deadly night part two, but still, still pretty good. I got to give them credit for this title card. It's still pretty, pretty, pretty good.
1: Sure. Cut to the <laughs>
2: evening outdoors. There's a full moon Kirsten. We're in, we're introduced to Kirsten, Amy and Brooke. They're walking through the forest. Uh, The only thing you need to really pay attention to is the fact that Kirsten, who's the star of this film, she's got blonde hair. Her friends have the worst perm crimp. It's the worst part of the 80s. It's the the 80s where the girl's hair is so hairsprayed, it cracks when you touch it.
0: Yeah, man. I just... I, I look at them and I see my sister's hair when I was a kid because she's uh, six years older than me. So, you know, she was a more of a teenager in the 80s than, than I was. And all these girls look like how she would dress and everything. Um, and then real quick, kind of the only factoid I even have uh, is that all of this was filmed in Colorado Springs. So uh, it, 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 looked, it doesn't look like sort of L.A. Uh, at all, which I like. So it's all Colorado.
2: Oh, okay. That's that's a really good point because uh, at one point they mentioned Taft University, and I was like, "Where's Taft University? Do you know where Taft University is?" No, it's in
0: Colorado. Ta- William, well, William Howard Taft, Un- Taft University, I think, is oh. in Denver.
2: Oh, never mind. Okay, well, there's a Taft College in California, but yeah. Okay, so okay. So I character. think it's supposed.
0: So I think it's supposed to take place in Colorado as well.
2: That works for me. Well, me then we are we are introduced to the Cal. <laughs> Then we are introduced to the Colorado forest where they are walking through the forest. Uh, They've got things for they've got a blanket and some other hiking doodads. Um, According to Kirsten, they've been hiking for about a mile and they finally sit down in the spot that Kirsten says this feels right. Uh, She has she has to be close to the earth. So and then her friends like jokingly say, get over it. Get real. She lights a candle to start a ceremony, I think. And when she does, she starts saying, now we convene the Sisters of Anti-Christmas. Amy interrupts and says, what is this script? Kirsten continues, we mourn Christmas as a petty, over-commercialized media event. Her friends keep interrupting her while she's trying to talk. And one of the girls, I think it's uh, Brooke, says, what does moan mean? And then... Kirsten says, it means I didn't get any good presents this year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think, is it bemoan? Is it bemoan? Bemoan, Bemoan, yeah, sorry, bemoan,
2: yeah. And then Amy asks, how is this going to help me get Dave? And I'm assuming Dave is her boyfriend. We're introduced to three doofuses for like half a second later on in the movie. Yeah, utter douchebags later. (laughs) Right. Kirsten says, well, as the master race, we can control everything and everyone. It's interesting she says master race.
0: Yeah, and and she's referring to women. She's like, us women were the master race, which I I applaud that line of thinking because I actually believe that women are superior to men. But I don't think the term master race should be applied i don't think uh that's especially when three white women are sitting around saying it well it does coincide with what the theme of the movie is i just don't know yeah oh it makes me wonder are should we give this movie credit for being smarter than we maybe think it is and this was actually really smart or was this just a happenstance phrasing that they used
2: i think this is the writing being smart okay Cool.
0: I'm, I'll I'll take that. I'll you know what? I'll I'll give them that compliment.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. At this point, Brooke opens up a sketchbook of Kirsten's and asks what this picture is. You see a picture of a virgin of anti Christmas that Kirsten drew from her dreams. Dude, the the artwork. Whoever did
0: it. Whoever they got commissioned to do it. It's really good. And later there's like another art piece that you see. I think it's elves like attacking a woman. It's got to be the same artist, but that one also is really good. I'm like, wow, this artwork is infinitely better than it has
2: any right or need to be. I mean, Kirsten even points out, she's like, check out those art deco boobs. Cool. Huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's some great one liners, by the way, in this. Uh, So Brooke says, isn't this your grandfather's book? Yeah. And he told me, And it's our butts if he ever finds out. Amy gets concerned about the candle that's near them. Kirsten grabs the candle. And when she does, she cuts her hand in the process with a huge gash. It is like a giant, it's three inches long and blood just spurts out.
0: Yeah, it's a weird fit. It's it's because it's like the candle's just sitting there. And like one of them's like, oh, the candle. And, uh, you know, you see a shot of it really quick. I don't know if maybe it's supposed to just kind of be getting bigger or something, but then the girls go to reach for it quickly, and then yeah, Kirsten's the one that sort of grabs it. But I think they since they're all converging on it at once, they break it. Yeah. It's very contrived because what essentially we're trying to get to is that blood drips from her hand onto the ground. Like that's that's what the the story needs to happen, but it's one of those really wonky things where you're like what, what
2: just fucking happened? You know, it's, it's really forced. And there's several moments in this movie that feel very forced.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know
2: one word oral. (laughs) Um, yeah. So when this happens, like Corey said, blood drips on the ground, Amy wraps a scarf around Kirsten's hand and they say, and Brooke says, let's get out of here. Suddenly when they leave the blood that was on the ground, that dripped into the ground, uh, causes smoke to rise and a hand, a little elf hand, coming out of the ground. And so it begins.
0: <laughs> and guys and gals, keep in mind, this is, you know, this is going to be, like, the, the category of Demons 2, the little creature there. This is, like, Uncle Impy. This is going to be, like, gremlins and everything. Man, the 80s really loved their little puppet animatronic uh, creatures. But I got to say... They handle the effects. They handle the, the crappy effects very well in this movie, and I think they do a better job with this elf thingy than Uncle Impey was ever done in Slimeball Ball-O-Rama. Uh, there's actually a couple shots in this movie that are legitimately creepy because of the elf.
2: I totally agree. I actually like it a lot more than what people have said about this movie in the past, where it's, oh, it's so fake-looking. Yeah, doy, of course, but it's cool-looking.
0: But, I mean, as as much as, you know, whatever the movies, you have to see it to believe it, guys. It is what it is. It looks like a movie shot on VHS, but they handle the elf effects very, very well. Like, anytime they do something right in this movie, I'm just like, good job, guys. I was not expecting this, you know? And that being said, I think they do, like, 65% of this movie is done
2: correctly and done well. I agree. I agree. The Scooby-Doo gang gets back to Kirsten's house where Brooke and Amy drop her off. She tells them to stop by her work tomorrow. She goes inside and they take off. We get a quick cut back to the ground where the blood was spilled and you see a POV shot of an elf walking. Cut back to Kirsten's home and she's putting the book that she took from her grandfather back on his bookcase. And then Grandpa comes in hot. Grandfather rolls in, smacks her in the face twice. And smacks her again. <laughs> he says, "The first was for being out without my permission. The second was for the lie you were about to tell." <laughs> so she apologizes. <laughs> sorry, Grandpa. And he gr- says, and gra- I'm sorry. "I gotta say,
0: Grandpa." And I gotta say, Grandpa is in a wheelchair, and he. Yeah. He goes from having like sometimes he plays it like his neck is broken to and then later that kind of gets forgotten and then remembered. It's like you know as far as the actor goes, it's like you didn't have to do the neck thing. Like if you're not going to remember it, just be in a wheelchair. But he's like, "No, no, let me let me do this. I'm going to I got something here. I'm going to do it." And it's like, "Well, if you're going to do it, you got to remember to do it the whole entire time." Right. And I don't know if he's it's weird because he's like he's gonna be a Nazi, but he kind of plays it Jewish a little bit. It's <laughs> the the grandpa is the the part of this movie that is is probably the wildest aspect of this film. As far as the now well, the mom is oh my god,
2: there's so much guys, there's so much. Oh. I'm jumping ahead because I want to talk about everything. So I know we're getting there, we're getting there. So really quickly, uh, you know, the, uh, he apologizes after smacking her. He's like, I worry. I
3: know. <laughs>
2: and then he goes. What are you doing in here? And Kirsten says, Nothing. I was just looking at your book. And grandfather says, You weren't at home, you were in the forest. Kirsten lies. She said, You never you told me to never go there. And grandfather says, I also told you to never touch my books. That's a good singer. <laughs> he looks at her hand that's wrapped in her friend's scarf. And he goes, Oh, you hurt yourself. And he opens up the scarf on her hand and looks at a huge old gash and he goes, How did it happen? And then he goes, oh, it's not too bad. The bleeding has stopped. Let's wash it. And he smiles at her and Kirsten looks at him and says, no, thanks, Gramps. I'll do it. And she walks off.
0: <laughs> creepy. Grandpa had a creepy look in his eyes when he said he wanted to wash her wound. This this character is kind of he's setting some groundworks for some weird shit, shit that I missed on the first time we watched it when we
2: weren't paying attention. I've watched it, I watched it three times, once with you, once uh, to break down, and once, well, no, a second time to for f- fun, and then the third time to break down. And I picked up something new every single time. And that is a sign, in my opinion, of a good
3: movie.
2: <laughs> Quick POV shot outside of Kirsten's home, the elf making its way towards her home. Cut back to Kirsten. Her mom is in the kitchen with her. Mom asks if she's hurt. And asks where she's been, really like curt and short. Kirsten says, nowhere. I was with Brooke and Amy. Kirsten's mom goes, ah, the unholy trio. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) Kirsten's mom then says, your grandfather said you went into his room without permission. Kirsten says she did. Her mom says, well, you broke the rules. And now you're going to be punished. Kirsten says, well, he already slapped me twice. And her mom says, well, that isn't going to stay with you, but this will. Your savings account is history. I'm going to the bank tomorrow to close it out. Kirsten says, you can't do that. This is totally outrageous. I earned that money. It's mine. Her mom says, not anymore. Storms (laughs) off. Stone cold
0: bitch, man. Taking her money.
2: (gasps) This is the first of many horrible things that is said by her mom or something in relation to.
0: So all of my notes are about how the mom and I think I've used the term a million times in my notes about how she's a stone cold bitch. But when you find out the revelation later, I she's kind of a like a reason for it. It's not it's yeah, it's it's like it's not justification, but I'm like it it put that piece of the puzzle in place where I'm like, ah, OK, this this uh, this makes sense now. And that I want to save that revelation for when it happens in real time.
2: Yeah, please do, because it's it's a doozy. Um, Well, we're about to get a very fun scene coming up here. Kirsten's cut to Kirsten taking a shower. She's rubbing her hand, rubbing her temples. She's stressed out. Her hand is now bandaged up. She gets out of the shower, dries herself off, and the door to the bathroom is slightly open. Her little brother peeks in to spy on her. She asks what he's doing. He surprises her, and he runs off with his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle costume pajamas, and he hides by her bed. She chases so, after him, and she hold, calls Hold him. on.
0: i got I to gotta stay in the bathroom for a second. First off, you can tell by the way that that shot is done when she's in the shower that they told her that you couldn't see her nipples, and so she keeps her arms where they are, but you can see her nipples. You can totally see her nipples, and yeah. you know that she probably thought you couldn't. Two, the little brother says, like, I'm going to tell everyone you have big boobs or well, something. No, we're getting
2: to that. We're getting to that.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then, real quick, also, I just want to say, real quick, while we're still in the shower area, then, this—have you ever seen Toby Hooper's Funhouse? Yes. That movie starts with a kid perving on his sister in the shower as well. Oh yeah. What the fuck's going on in the '80s, guys?
2: Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you're right, because uh, well, this gets even worse. Yeah. So she runs after her brother into her bedroom. She calls him a pervert. Her little brother says, I'm not a pervert. Okay, quote, I'm not a pervert. I like to see a naked girl. Kirsten says, I'm your sister. The little brother says, yeah, and you've got fucking big tits, and I'm going to tell everybody I saw them. (laughs) She chases him out of the room, and she says, you're not supposed to be in here without permission, and the brother says, (laughs) well, fuck you. Mom says she's giving me all your money. Fuck you. He's she starts wrestling with her brother in her back in her room while you see a POV shot of the elf looking through a window, which is on the second story, by the way. So the elf is floating, I guess.
0: I think he's climbing.
2: I got. I, I got. That's the least of the problems here, buddy. Um, I mean, <laughs> before you... Yeah. So really quickly, I'll just say this is by far the wildest piece of dialogue I've ever heard come out of a young child's mouth.
0: <laughs> and then, like they. You, like they can they start fighting where it's more sweet and she's kind of like tickling him and stuff like that, you know. So it's really weird because it totally it shifts and it's like it almost becomes sweet at the end of it. But he's a real piece of crap. And uh, and well, but he's got good taste in, in, you know, TMNT, good taste in cartoons and also good taste in movie posters. Because later you see in his room, he's got like, a I think, a Critters 2 poster in there and a Ghostbusters 2 poster as well. Does
2: he have good taste
0: in movies then? Well, Critters 2, yes. Ghostbusters 2, that's debatable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you cut to Kirsten in her bed now with her cat, Agamemnon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's Agamemnon. It's Agamemnon. Agamemnon. And, that's like and some kind
0: of weird like
2: Norse mythology word or something. I think it is. Uh, I think it is. I think it plays into her like spirituality
0: okay okay yeah
2: she's talking to her cat now and she's like it's finally happened i'm living in a cliche my cat is the only friend i have she's kind of joking but probably kind of serious she goes i don't mind if you turn out to be a girl and i don't mind if you get pregnant but just don't take off with the father okay because like i need all the friends i can get
0: (laughs) (laughs) and keep in mind I mean, the actress playing Kirsten, uh, Julie, I forgot what her, her last name was. I mean, she's late 20s, you know, playing like a 17-year-old with like, I mean, a beautiful woman, but definitely pushing 30 probably.
2: Yeah, I mean, all three of the female leads look a lot older than they actually are playing. Yeah. Uh, excluding the mom, but there's a reason for that.
0: But it is refreshing that the kid is played by a kid. You know, like a straight up like ten year old kid.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: Even though he's a fucking brat,
2: right? Cut to a quick shot from the basement, inside of the basement, you see a window that leads outside with a little shadow of an elf head and a hand breaking through the glass and going into the house. The elf makes its way into the house, and makes its way into Kirsten's brother's room. Quick shot of Kirsten sleeping, then cut to her brother's room. He's screaming. The elf is in his face while little brother is on the bed. I think when
0: you and I, you, me, and Diallo were watching it, I looked up. I think I screamed the same way the
2: kid screamed with this shot right here because it's
0: in his face.
2: Yeah, it's it's a really freaky scene and you get your first appearance of this elf, which looks pretty cool to me. Mm -hmm. You see the uh, Agamemnon, the cat, running out of the room at the same time and the elf jumps out of the window. Kirsten runs into the room, turns on the lights. And the little brother's holding his shoulder saying, it's trying to kill me. It's trying to kill me. It was like a little man, like, uh, like a ninja, only a gremlin. The mom's in there too. Kirsten looks at her brother's shoulder, which has scratches and his poor TMNT pajamas were ripped up. And the mom says, well, there's your answer. It was the cat. And the brother says, no, it was like a little ninja troll. <laughs> the mo- ninja mom goes. Troll. The mom goes to try to pick up the cat. Kirsten says, don't you hurt her. Kirsten picks up her cat and leaves the room. Mom follows after while the little brother's calling out to the mom. Mom? Mom? <laughs> just closes the door on the little kid. They turn off the lights. The little brother calls out one more time to mom. Mom? And then lays down and goes back to bed. <laughs> oh, it is God.
0: hilarious. This seems amazing. First off, the, the, gr- the gremlin troll, fuck, the elf, the elf looks fucking amazing. <laughs> It's terrifying. It's in his face. And now the kid has to go back to sleep after literally probably experiencing the most terrifying thing he will ever remember for the rest of his life. Can you imagine waking up as a little (laughs) kid with a little fucking elf monster troll thing uh, like an inch from your face? I mean, (laughs) amazing. This scene
2: was amazing. You know, my trauma. Yeah. And, you know, the things that have happened to me. And yeah. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. (laughs) You're like,
0: I'll take the elf over it. If I had to choose between the elf or all the other Zach Schaefer traumas, I
2: would take the elf. Yeah. (laughs) You just Merry Christmas. You called it (laughs) cut, cut to a shopping mall exterior where a band is playing their brass musical instruments. However, it sounds like, uh, you know, very, uh, synthesized. It's interesting. (laughs) I'm being sarcastic. And you see Mike Gavin putting some well, at first I'm like, "Oh, he puts some money in their pot." No. They have a tambourine in front of them on the ground, and Mike probably puts a nickel or a quarter in their in the middle of the tambourine.
0: <laughs> hey, it's, it's <laughs> he, a 1989 nickel, okay?
2: Then he walks inside the mall.
0: <laughs> so, so it's worth at least if it's a nickel it's worth at least 25 cents now.
2: That's this is true. <laughs> Cut to Brooke and Amy sitting down in a restaurant like diner in the mall. Yeah. Complaining about money, the money that Kirsten got taken away from her. And they're saying that money was supposed to go to your art school. Quick shot of Kirsten working in the diner, talking to her friends and her friends say, your stepmother's a Royal bitch. And Kirsten goes, it's my mother. And then her friends say, you sure she's like too young to be your mom. And Kirsten says she had me when she was 16 She's my mother, all right. Her friend says, well, whatever. She's still a royal bitch. She need, And she needs to get laid.
0: <laughs> Facts.
2: <laughs> Brooke says, well, who doesn't? Amy says, I can't wait until tomorrow night. Brooke's getting Brooke, Amy's very excited. Brooke asks, if Kirsten's afraid that they're going to get in trouble. You don't know what they're talking about just yet, but it's kind of implied that they're going to be breaking into the mall, which is what they do. Kirsten says, I can get fired for all I care. They can keep the money. It's just my tips. Suddenly, Kirsten stops herself and says, Hey, guys, it's almost break time. Let's go goof on Santa. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Quick cut to a elf POV shot watching the girls walk out of the diner. So it's in the diner now. <laughs>
0: yeah, it j- it's just fine. Fallin- You know, you'll find out why, but it actually makes sense. It's not just a, you know, a movie thing. There's a reason that this elf is following Kirsten around.
2: Right. And it's not good. (laughs) No. You see the girls walk out of the diner, cut to the manager of the department store scolding one of his employees. I think his, yeah, his name's Hugh. Yeah. That guy's an asshole too. He's an asshole. He sees Mike walking towards him. He gets nervous. This is tricky. I had to rewatch this like three times. Mike. Tells the manager, Hugh, he says, I got my man, Chip. He was a real tough crime, but I did it. So implying that he was a cop at one point, because we know this later on. He is a cop at one point.
0: He was a detective or something. Yeah. Yep.
2: And the manager says, well, you're always welcome here. Why don't you get some coffee and donuts from the break room? The manager says this to him smugly. Mike says, come on. I can buy my own coffee and donuts. I need a job. That's what I need. He says, well, I don't have anything for you. We contract out our security now. And Mike says, well, that's nice, but I need a job. It's Christmas time. I'll do anything. Look, I'm straight. You can trust me. Just give me a break, please. Hugh says, I'm sorry, Mike. Mike gets annoyed and says, you know, you really are sorry. (laughs) Mike walks away and he goes, Merry Christmas to you. All in a huff.
3: Yeah.
0: And I got to say, like, Dan Haggerty is kind of hit or miss this movie. Um, this scene, and it's our introduction to him, is probably his worst like line reads in the whole movie. And it yeah. sucks because it's our introduction to him. And I think he does better overall. Um, and again, I always, you know, anytime I have criticism for acting, you always got to look at the director and how they're they're directing them and all this kind of stuff. But this scene was kind of rough as far as like Dan Haggerty's line reads go.
2: Yeah, uh, he's not, he's not like a, you know, he's not a great actor. We'll just put it that way. He's not. Yeah. But he's he does have a great beard, though. He's got a great beard, and he has some memorable moments in this movie. They're coming.
0: Yeah, he and he does have moments where he comes off very natural and charismatic and everything. But, yeah, it's it's almost, it's not equal. I'd say, like, 60%, you know, I think he's pretty good in this, but a solid 40%. Dan Haggerty is pretty bad in this movie.
2: Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Cut to uh, Santa with a long line uh, of people waiting to see him. He's got a boy on his lap, and the Santa says, Ho, 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 what do you want for Christmas this year, my young lad? And the kid goes, I want a Nintendo. And Santa goes,
1: Nintendo? Meanwhile, his beard is starting to come off. Yeah. That's great. They're on sale today in the basement. Today only. Merry Christmas.
2: (laughs) In the
0: basement. And uh, you mentioned earlier Maul. I think this is more of a department store is
2: what my read on it was
0: i mean semantics i get it but i think i think it's more of a department store
2: it's a department store like a macy's or a hudsons or whatever yeah woolworth or
0: what it's it's like a multi-level department store with a basement with a basement that sells nintendos sounds like he wanted to lure that kid into the basement to
2: molest him i would not be surprised <laughs> He's going on the naughty... Okay, no, Santa. Just don't. (laughs) Cut to Kirsten's mom in the kitchen. You're back at Kirsten's home. And she sees Agamemnon drinking milk from a saucer. She walks up behind it with a pillowcase. She puts the pillowcase over the cat, picks it up, and walks off with it. I was
0: was like, what's happening? This is going to get really bad. Guys and gals, this movie, as silly and goofy as it
2: is has some uber darkness to it. Yes. And this is, in my opinion, because I'm an animal lover, the darkest part. Agreed. Cut back to Santa at the mall with now Kirsten on his lap. Santa asks what she wants for Christmas. Kirsten says, for it not to be Christmas. And then she says, all right, can you make it snow? I want it to snow. And at the same moment, Santa's putting his hand on her leg, and it's moving up her leg, starting to move under her skirt. Suddenly, Santa says, Oral. And she says, what did you say? He says, Oral. And he moves his hand higher up of the skirt. She smacks Santa, knocking his hat and beard off his face and storms off.
0: Was he... Right, so we know he's going to go and do coke in a second. Uh, so... She said she wanted snow. Is this the script being smart again? And he's like, I'll give you snow, meaning cocaine, oh. uh, if you give me oral, essentially. Is that what it's trying to say? That's
2: good, dude. I didn't even think. And I'm going to say yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: I I think we're ele- we might be elevating this movie a bit more than it should be.
1: Are we you elevating
2: this movie?
0: <laughs> you son of a bitch, you did it! You did it! Yes!
2: <laughs> ho ho! Nice one, Zach. Uh, what are you doing here? Stop drinking my beer! It's not. Don't you have presents to make? Oh, <laughs> my elves do that. The, the, the evil ones? Of course. Okay. <laughs> Cut back to Kirsten's mom with the cat in the pillowcase, now in the bathroom. She lifts up the toilet seat and puts the cat in the toilet and drowns the cat. The end.
0: Dude, when we watched this together, this was one of the scenes where we were all talking. We all stopped talking and we're like, what the fuck's happening? Is she, She's really doing it. And the cat's dead. Like, we were flabbergasted. That's that's the word. That's the only word you can use right here. You, me and Diallo were flabbergasted.
2: Yeah, like the, the cat's like meowing, they've got meow noises. It's there's no real cat in the bag, guys, just putting no, it out it's,
0: there. It's probably the like what they did in um Return of the Living Dead when they cut up the pieces and said they were the the rabid weasels and everything was like kind of moving and everything. There's probably just like a little thing in there moving. I hope to God they didn't drown a fucking cat.
2: Yeah. And David Irons being a cat lover, I'm sure, would definitely not be okay with that.
0: But nowhere in my life would I ever think that this movie was going to go in this direction. And dare I say, it gets, at least it maintains, like, this isn't the darkest thing that happens in this movie. Like, we find out some really dark shit later.
2: I I mean, it's on par. It's definitely on par. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cut back to the shopping mall. Santa's now being kicked out of his... (laughs) chair by hugh he's like why don't you take a break and kirsten's there with her arms folded looking down at him and and you hear hugh mumble under his breath this is important because he says it twice in the movie this is the first time in 50 years at Gollum like anything like this has ever happened as santa walks off he walks past a woman who says hi santa and he (laughs) flips her off it's great
0: it's a hard flip off too it is. Like yeah, it's he, one of those
2: ones yeah. where you you put it right in their face
0: and as you as you walk by you keep your hand right there, you know, like it's just like I felt that, man. I
2: felt that middle finger. Are you the kind of guy who like when you when you flip somebody off, you do the full fist or do the knuckles up?
0: The knuckle one? No, no. I, I'm I'm a fist guy. I'm a, like, yeah. you know, the thumb goes back and everything. Yeah, I,
2: I'm a full fist guy, too. I don't get the whole knuckle thing.
0: <laughs> the whole fist. You'll take the whole fist? Santa? You, using the whole fist there, Doc?
1: <laughs>
2: Moon, Santa. Moon, river, <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Santa.
3: Thank you.
2: <laughs> Quick POV shot of the elf. Wa- of the uh, elf? Quick POV shot of the elf watching Santa walk away, and he grabs a knife. The elf grabs a knife. Cut back to Hugh, now scolding Kirsten saying santa is for customers and you're in uniform i could fire you both but i won't it's christmas cuck back the kirsten's mom burying the cat agamemnon <laughs> in a hole in the ground shoveling dirt on top of it mumbling something about it being good fertilizer for the ground so she dumped the cat in the ground like to, out of the sleep out of the uh, pillowcase cuz i guess pillowcases take longer to break down
0: <laughs> again never saw any of this coming
2: in a million years nope Cut back to Santa in his uh, break room, which looks like a, you know, uh, so is it called a bachelor? Uh, Where it, yeah. it's not even a full, like, you know, apartments, a small, a, a single apartment is like a small apartment. Um, and then a there's st- like a, bachelor, studio, a, ba- a studio, bachelor. Bachelor's smaller than a studio.
0: Yes. Bachelors tend to not have um, a kitchen. Um, they'll have like a hot plate, and I know this because I had to. I was looking at places in Santa Monica when I moved out from when I was that one lady I was dating way back in the day, and I was trying to stay in Santa Monica and realized I couldn't. And yeah, bachelors they'll have a bathroom in them with like a door, you know, but you're basically there's no living room. It's like a studio, and then you're gonna have a small half sized uh, uh, refrigerator, maybe a small sink, and maybe a little hot plate, but no. You know nothing else, no full kitchen or anything like that yeah man it's pretty miserable living.
2: I knew a dude that lived in one of those places and I
0: was like, "Why yeah because I mean because you're in Santa Monica, I guess and if that's right. the only way you can be in Santa Monica and if you're like if you're never home if you're one of those people that are just never home then yeah what does it matter you just have have a little crash pad but no dude I
2: need my space man I need to I know. spread out you seriously know? for real well, Santa's in his bachelor. and uh which which is just
0: a back. it's it's in the 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 department store though yes like it's it's almost like his yeah they build it for it almost seems like it's supposed to be a dressing room for him but it's like some kind of middle ground between a dressing room and a mini apartment
2: right Right. And he's not dressing. He's actually cutting up cocaine with a credit card, (laughs) mumbling to himself about those goddamn bastards. I'll show them. Suddenly the door opens to his room while he's rolling a dollar bill to snort the cocaine and the elf walks in. Santa goes to snort the cocaine, but his beard, he hasn't taken it off. It moves the <laughs> cocaine around, and he gets pissed. That was great. That was a he great little thing. pulls the beard off, and then suddenly the elf is between his legs, takes the knife, and plunges it into his pee-pee. <laughs> Sorry, his penis. And chops his penis up. Santa is now dead with a severed penis.
0: Dude, he goes to town on that dude's junk, man. It's like multiple stabs. And... The elf is very weapon-happy in this movie. He uses weapons. He doesn't, like, use, like, claws and shit. He uses... He picks up knives and other things. Picks but up he knives. Goes to, he goes to town on Santa's dick. His dick gets
2: destroyed. Yeah, he did, he's chopping broccoli. <laughs> he's chopping broccoli. Cut back to a long line waiting for Santa. Hugh walks over to one of Santa's helpers and says, Go see what's keeping him. Santa's helper goes to find Santa opens the door to his changing room and finds him dead on the ground. She screams cut to a sign that says Santa's feeding his reindeer. Be back soon.
3: <laughs>
2: Police arrive on scene, investigating the spot where Santa was killed. There's, it's not a chalk line. It's like a tape line. Uh, the lead detective walks past Hugh. And again, Hugh saying, this hasn't happened at Gollum in fifty years. And I'm like, wait, so someone got their dick cut off fifty <laughs> years ago? What the hell happened in Gollum?
0: Which is weird because Hugh is clearly like only like 38 or something like that. Like, so it's like, do you remember it or something? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not that. He's not that old.
2: No, but I, I, I've known guys when I worked at Tower Records. Bless this guy. He was he was a he was a really sweet person, but. He was like a lifer at Tower. He wasn't mm-hmm. that old, but he knew the history of Tower up and down. So yeah. sometimes, and I remember being in a meeting and having to watch a video about the history of Tower Records. That the owner of Tower Records sold records out of the back of his uh, father's drugstore in Sacramento. That's where it started. So you know, like the folklore, I guess. So Fifty yeah. years ago, a Gollum a man, uh, asked a woman for oral, and <laughs> he got his penis chopped off.
0: Yeah, now it makes sense because you can tell this is supposed to be a small town and it's I mean, Hugh probably worked his way up. From, it was probably his first job, you know, working there when he was like 15 and worked his way up. And he probably does know the history of the store.
2: Yeah. The detective now is mumbling something about the guy in the back was using narcotics when this happened. He walks over to Kirsten, who's near the crime scene. I think this is actually good writing. He says, well, the guy tried to feel you up. You slapped him. And then he's found dead a few minutes later with his nuts cut off. What should I think? And like, actually, that tracks, right? Yeah. The, it's funny. The, the cops aren't dumb in this movie. And then Kirsten, though, fires back and says, well, he was a pervert and a drug addict, and somebody killed him. Isn't that the spirit of Christmas? And the cop says, no, it's not. <laughs>
0: and that's the end of the scene. <laughs> I love that. I just,
2: No. It's
3: not.
2: (laughs) He doesn't say what
0: the spirit of Christmas is. He just says,
2: that's not it. But it's so deadpan, and it's it's such an (laughs) abrupt cut at that point.
0: I know. It's great. I love it. I I love every moment of this movie. Hey, everybody. Co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a second and say thank you to all of our Patreon members who help support the show. Each month, they get access to The Carpenter Factor, Wrap Up After Dark, and all kinds of other fun, exclusive content. You can sign up for our Patreon over at patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. Other ways you can help support the show and help us grow is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We also have a merch store where you can pick up a t-shirt or two, as well as some other fun items. You can find every link to our podcatchers, to our merch store, to Patreon, everything at podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com. Now back to the show.
2: Cut to Kirsten coming home looking for Agamemnon and her mom is like trimming what looks like a like a wreath or something. And her mom says, "You look terrible." And Kirsten says, "It was a rough day at work. Santa got murdered." And Her mom says, I don't find that funny, none the least. Kirsten asks if she's seen her cat, and mom says, I haven't seen the cat all day. Kirsten goes looking for her cat. Scene fades out. Cut to a quick shot of the elf looking around mysteriously, and then cut to a trailer. Mike's approaching the trailer as he's talking to himself. He says, Surgeon General says a pack a day will keep your lungs nice and gray.
0: Dude, Dan Haggerty is smoking. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) <laughs> every every scene in this movie, dude, he's smoking in every single scene. I am shocked he made it to 73, to be honest with you. And he like passed away in 2016. If you'd asked me yesterday, I would have been like, yeah, fucking uh, Grizzly Adams, yeah, he probably passed away in the 90s or something. Nah, that dude lived a long time. He was a smoker, dude.
2: Yeah, his beard is like... Kind of, well his hair and beard are kind of blondish gray you almost get the sense that it's blondish gray because of the smoke that just constantly yeah. is going in there yeah. fading the gray into yellow
0: yeah it's like those old guys where their beard is completely white but then their mustache is yellow because they oh. that's from smoking oh. you know that's yeah God. it's crazy dude it's crazy oh. but it's 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 crazy because I mean, my aunt and uncle, these like two hippies, I, nicest people in the entire fucking world, but they're they're living great old lives and they've smoked forever, too. So it's just I who the fuck knows, man. Like, who knows what gives you cancer?
2: And then, yeah, I mean, some people drop dead at some super early age and then some people live to be super old and are miserable, horrible people. So
0: it's all crapshoot.
2: It's all crapshoot. Is there such a thing as karma? I'd like to say – like to think yes, but maybe not.
0: Or we're just – it's all just chaos. It could just all just be chaos.
2: We're all just grapes on a vine, dude. <laughs> um, I don't even know where that came from, I, and don't I actually kind of <laughs> like it. I kind of like put it.
0: That, put that on a shirt, baby.
2: <laughs> Podca- podcasting after dark. We're all just grapes on a vine, dude. Um, okay, so yeah, after he says that line, he goes – Mumbles something about, I guess things could be worse. He walks up to his trailer and sees a sign on his trailer that says, notice to evict. Then the door is locked. And then he says, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Cut back to Kirsten, looking for her cat, calling for her cat from her bedroom window. You see a POV shot of an elf looking up at her. Then you see the elf digging into the dirt to get Kirsten's cat. Cut back to Kirsten in her bedroom, sketching on her sketch pad. She looks at her hand that's still bandaged up. She takes the bandage off and the wound is completely healed. Is she a werewolf? Yeah,
0: what is that? Like in in, in later it's going to open back like at the climax, at the very end when they're back she's back at that site again. It's going to come back. So there's like this weird element here that doesn't really get addressed, but I kind of like it cuz it kind of world builds a little bit, you know? Like maybe she has some kind of powers or something.
2: I think so. I think so. I was kind of hoping for a, a, a gate reveal where the kid like opens his hand and there's an eyeball in the cut in his hand. That would be pretty dope. That would be pretty cool. I was going to say the powers of incest.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Put that on a T-shirt and you will get arrested immediately. immediately. Um, she turns the light off and goes to sleep. Suddenly she hears a sound. She calls for her cat, goes to her window and the elf is holding her dead cat in the window. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's kind of pushing it against the
0: window, very similar to in the first Pumpkinhead movie, where Pumpkinhead pushes that one girl's face against the the kitchen oh, yeah. window. And then I was I always, I always thought that was a cool scene. But this right here, freaky as fuck, dude. Like seriously, again. They do a great job of filming the elf. I think he looks infinitely better than, you know, Uncle Impy and all that kind of stuff. Infinitely better than Demons 2, that little creature and that. They just do a better job of filming it. But let me ask you this, Zach. First time I watched this movie, didn't really... Just, I assumed it was just doing that to fuck with her. But I think later on, when he, like at the very end, and we'll we'll mention it again where he's trying to give her like that that beetle or something like that. I think he knew that she was looking for her cat and he's like H- here it is. I I got it. It's like I- you know what I mean? I don't I don't think he's trying to scare her. He- weirdly and this will make more sense later. I think he's trying to seduce her and like be like like I am a good mate here. I brought you what you wanted type of thing.
2: We'll get there. We'll get
0: there. <laughs> he's trying to get get between those legs, baby.
2: <laughs> Cut to So Kirsten obviously freaks out.
0: Obviously cut to her (laughs) goes without
2: saying (laughs) cut to her. Now in the kitchen with her mom, mom complaining that now this is the second night in a row. She's not going to get any sleep. (laughs) Oh, supportive mom. Kirsten says it was a troll and her mom scoffs at her. Suddenly grandpa rolls in and he's holding Kirsten's or he's holding the sketch pad from earlier that Kirsten had put back in his in his study and and he says this picture is not in any of my books where did you see it she looks at the drawing it's the drawing that we saw earlier in the movie she goes i didn't see it anywhere i made it up grandfather asks what she saw in the window she goes i saw a troll raccoon i don't know ninja gremlin the grandfather starts arguing and says you mentioned the forest the mom co- had left a moment ago and comes back in and says, It's all over now. I'm calling the exterminator to lay out some traps in the morning. She tells Kirsten to go to bed. Kirsten storms out. Suddenly, the grandfather grabs the mom by the wrist and screams at her. He says something in German about elves. And the mom says, Don't you start that again with your damn elves. I'm sick of it. The grandfather damned says, damned elves. He killed the cat and dragged it by the window. And the mom says, Oh, if you really want to know, I killed the cat. The raccoon may have dragged it to the window, but I killed it. She walks off, leaving the grandfather by himself in the dining room. Cut to the grandfather in his now study, his den, picking up a crystal.
0: Yeah, because real quick, he's um he's in a wheelchair, which you mentioned earlier. But, you know, he can't go up to the second floor because they don't have the gremlins lady you know thing (laughs) with the electronic you know moving chair or whatever so
2: he's kind of stuck down there i remember being in someone's house once and seeing that electric chair and i'm like oh just like gremlins and they go what like never mind
0: my grandmother had one in in her house They, they had a rambler so it's like you know one floor house but they had a basement and that's where her knitting and everything was the same grandma that made the a Decker mask for oh, cool. me so she would like knit and and everything but after a while she couldn't get down the stairs so they had to install that and I would ride it and it goes so slow yeah. it's not like gremlins at
2: all you can listen to uh, three episodes a pad and still not get to the top floor <laughs> 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 so we, we cut to so he has this crystal this reddish crystal and he puts it into like a velvet velvet fabric. Then he puts his hands on his face, looking down kind of solemnly. Cut back to Kirsten, laying in bed, trying to get to sleep. Quick cut of the elf outside her home. Then cut to Mike at the diner, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes the next day. He's always smoking cigarettes. Always. You can smell. It's like smell-o-vision. By the way, package arrived today from Amazon. And, I, and I'm like, someone's smoking in the hallway? Bring the box inside the house. The smoke was on the box, the Amazon oh,
0: box. The driver was smoking in his, in his vehicle.
2: I haven't smelled that smell in such a long, smelly time. I know. I smell
0: it occasionally and as an ex-smoker, I still love it. Even though I'll never oh, go back and God. I I had a I had one of my sister-in-law's cigarettes like I took a drag like years ago when I moved up here and it was disgusting and I hated it and I was like, "Well, guess I'm never smoking again." And I've never taken a drag from one of her cigarettes since. Good. And it's like I was like, oh, I guess I'm done because I just I hated the taste of it, but I do still like the smell of it."
2: Corey likes the smell of an ashtray <laughs> you know what he's getting for Christmas. The warm
1: side of the, the do- door. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho, should I make a list? No. No, you know what he wants. I sure do. And I can't say it on the air.
2: Okay. <laughs> yes, never mind.
0: Okay. Now, if Santa could bring me one of those old uh McDonald's eighties ashtrays, I would love it. Those but as badass. we've discovered as we've discovered, those things go for like Hundreds of dollars on eBay.
2: How about a Pizza Hut one? Pizza Hut one be, would be cool.
0: That would be cool. I I did love me some Pizza Hut back in the day.
2: I love me some. I, I kind of want Pizza Hut right now. Oh no, that would
0: destroy my stomach. I, mean, I won't eat it. I won't eat it. I won't. Like I, you and your juicy ropes, man.
2: I love my juicy ropes. If you want to find out about my juicy ropes, <laughs> sign up to podcasting after dark slash. Sorry, sign up to patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. And on this month's wrap up, we will be talking about Corey's trip to Los Angeles for LA Comic Con and my juicy ropes. We will definitely be talking about Zach's juicy ropes. Everyone's like, is this something sexual? You're going to have to find out on patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. So Kirsten approaches Mike at the diner. He asked if she's okay.
0: Real quick. I don't think this is a, a standalone diner. I think this is where Kirsten was, is working. I think it's the restaurant slash diner yeah. in the the it's in department Gollum's. store. Yeah, yeah. So
2: it's a diner in Gollum's. It looks yeah. like a diner. Uh, maybe it's a restaurant, but it, it looks like a diner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he asked if she's okay. She said she didn't sleep at all last night. And he goes, well, don't feel so bad. I didn't sleep at all last, last night either. She goes, well, things haven't been going right for me. And he goes, well, things haven't been going right for me. <laughs> she goes, well, <laughs> my cat got, yeah, like, well, uh, trying to one up each other. She yeah. goes, well, my cat got killed last night. And he goes, well, I'm sorry about that. And he just kind of dismisses it. <laughs> He's like, and says, no, I really am sorry. When I was a kid, I had a dog named Shooter and I loved him so much. And when he died, I cried like a baby. So I know how you feel. It'll be all right, though. She smiles at him. <laughs> she she asks if it's gonna snow this year, and he goes, I sure hope so. Wouldn't be much like Christmas if it didn't snow. Suddenly Hugh shows up and asks Mike if he still wants a job. And then suddenly Mike gets excited and he goes, Things are looking up already. You immediately cut to Mike, having a crying baby on his lap dressed up as Santa, and the baby's <laughs> peeing all over his leg, and he goes, Ho 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 my god. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh
2: it's you know i was breaking this down and, and and Kristen goes are you writing every piece of dialogue from the movie i go well you know yeah because people actually like to hear it she goes they do because she's curious you know and i go yeah yeah they do <laughs> yeah. some of this stuff is gold i think it was the moment where she heard me writing down what Ruben crabs or whatever he says when he's going off (laughs) anyways we'll get there we'll get there folks
0: we'll get there (laughs) so
2: yeah ho 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 my god and then you cut to mike in the (laughs) old santa's break room and he says life's a bitch eddie so i'm assuming eddie is the name of the guy who got killed yes so
0: in the break room where where mike is also going to eventually make his residence uh the chalk outline (laughs) Of the dead previous Santa is on the floor the entire time, and he talks to him. Yeah, he says Eddie m- multiple times, so I'm assuming that that guy's name was Eddie, but it's just great because he's he's going to also eventually sleep in the same room where that guy got his, his fucking dick destroyed.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, he says, life's a bitch, Eddie, and then you die, or in my case, they piss on you. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, he looks down at the chalk line, tape line or whatever and he goes I hope this doesn't start to represent a trend (laughs) But then he looks closer at the crime scene and he says man that looks familiar and he notices a symbol on the ground looks like etched into the cement of the ground and he goes no I'm not a detective anymore he's talking to himself I'm not even a store detective anymore this is none of my business I'm Santa all I gotta do is take care of my reindeer he gets up grabs his wig and leaves (laughs) I mean, come on. This dialogue is great, guys. It's it's gold. Great. It's gold, Jerry. Gold. It's gold, Jerry. Gold. Cut to Kirsten's grandfather in his office, looking concerned at someone. And he says, why? Suddenly, there's two men in the room with the grandfather. One man, who is Reuben Krabs or Ruben
0: Kraus, Ruben Krauss. Krauss. Something like that, yeah.
2: And then another heavy, you know, kind of like security guard, bully, German thug. The main guy, Ruben Krabs, says... We've always known where you were. We've just simply respected your desire for privacy. We've always known that you've gone from Nazi Germany to Colorado Springs. Right. Grandfather asks why they're there now. Reuben Shamps says, You had us convinced. They cannot be resurrected. Why do I sound like Dracula? Grandfather says, It's true. Reuben Krabs gets right up in his face and says, Then there is no more room in hell. The elves will walk the earth. And he drops a little piece of crystal on the ground. It's the same crystal that the grandfather had. He takes the crystal and it fits the other side of the red crystal that he had earlier. Grandfather says, you knew. And then the grandfather pulls a gun out of nowhere and points it at scary German guy. (laughs) Scary German, we're going to refer to him as scary German guy. Scary German guy says, I don't understand. What are you doing? You're going to shoot me? Grandfather says, I'm not sure what to do. Scary German man picks up the photo, brings it over to the grandfather and says, It is her. It is your granddaughter. The pure genetic life. Grandfather says, I decided many years ago this must not happen. She must have nothing to do with this. Scary German guy grabs the gun out of grandfather's hand and says, You decided nothing. Too late to turn back now. She is the most important person to us on Earth. From her will grow the new order. With or without you, this is happening. Scary German man with the two thugs walk out on the grandfather. Dude, (laughs) another thing I was
0: not expecting... Not expecting Nazis. Not expecting incest. Not expecting cats getting drowned. Like, not expecting at all the elf to look as good as it does in this movie. This constantly, I am just blown away by where this story is going.
2: Yeah, and folks, it's only getting worse, <laughs> worse or better, whichever yes.
0: one you want to refer to. Hey, you got, but you know, dude. You know that when that guy was typing out that line when there's no more room in hell, elves will walk the earth, and we all know it's a reference to Dawn of the Dead. We all know it, and you know he knows it too, but you know when he was doing it, he was like, this is gold,
2: Jerry, gold. Just like like Banya. This thing writes itself. This thing writes itself. (laughs) Cut back to Kirsten at the diner. She's got a plate full of donuts that she drops on the ground. Well, drops it on the counter. No. Those
0: things look like they (laughs) fell on the ground. And then she picked them back up and put them back on the tray. And I think that's what that what happened there, because that's funny. That's that's comedic uh, gold right there. It
2: is. It's really funny. And I'm like, they're donuts covered in sugar. It's probably not going to hurt you.
0: It reminds me of sort of the scene in uh, Nightbreed when the lady in the motel or the behind the desk in the motel drops the donut on the ground, and she then she starts, like, eating it, and she's like, ew, gross me out. And then, you know, Decker puts the head on, you know, whatever. You all have seen Nightbreed, you know. What?
1: <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> no but zach has what?
0: zach has burned it from his brain because we sat through the cabal cut one <laughs> yeah, time oh my we've, God. we've talked about it multiple times <laughs> we can talk
2: about it again if you sign up patreon.com slash podcasting after dark you can ask us to talk about whatever you want
0: sure yeah you can you can actually ask us whatever you want to ask us That'd be crystal's great.
2: like i got some questions to ask you guys <laughs> like crystal
1: have you been naughty this year Ho ho ho!
0: Santa, you know
2: whether they have been or not. Santa, you know Crystal's been naughty. (laughs) You know. Okay. Amy and Brooke show up. Amy says, hey, guys, check it out. And she lifts up her sweater to show a red bra she's wearing. Yeah. And then Brooke says, Dave doesn't like red. (laughs) Okay. We'll get you something better. Kirsten says, 930, back door, implying that they're going to break into the mall or into the golem, right? Brooke nervously says, are you guys sure we're not going to get in trouble? Kirsten says, we need experience like this. It helps me get over things. Besides helped me with my poetry too. Amy says, life is long and life is hard. And Kevin is thick and Dave's is a yard. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote that down. Cause I wrote it down too. And I was going to quote it if you didn't. <laughs> and it comes back in just a moment. Kirsten goes back to work. Brooke and Amy walk off. And as they're walking off, Brooke says, is he really a yard? And Amy goes, yeah, it is.
0: Wow. My God. (laughs) It's Python in his pants.
2: As they're walking away, cut to one of the German thugs watching and reading a book at the same time.
0: I think that's the one uh, named Shaver or something, who is the Cenobite in Hellraiser 3. I don't think it's the other thug, because that guy was too big. I I could be wrong, though, to be honest with you. I I don't know. I'm assuming
2: it's him. Good job, men. Good job, men. Cut to Mike in the break room, packing up and getting ready to go home for the night. He says goodnight to Eddie. As Mike leaves Gollum, he grabs a piece of tape, and he covers it over the lock on the back door so he can get back inside. leaves and walks off that's cool he also actually pulls if you notice
0: he actually pulls the um the alarm the fire alarm for the alarm too yeah
2: sorry yeah yeah good point because that that comes back as well yeah Kirsten's packing up as well she walks past a co-worker and asks if she's alright quick cut to the elf watching her Kirsten goes to the back door of the mall to grab a piece of tape to put it over the lock but notices there's already a piece of tape over it and she leaves Got to mike walking into a library smoking a cigarette
0: every building he walks into (laughs) god bless the 80s he's smoking a cigarette every time he walks into a building
2: he will get called on it at some point though folks so there is a little bit of consistency there uh he walks past a homeless person that says it's been a quarter of our lives they walk among us you ready for that mike looks at the man and walks into the library Walks up to the front desk to the librarian, asks about a book from college about mystical symbols and ruins. The librarian says, Occult Sciences, section 666. And as she wa- and as Mike walks away, he says, you got to be kidding. It's got to be a joke. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that
0: he calls that because I thought the same thing when when she said it. I was like, oh, that's silly writing. But the fact that he calls it out. It's it's such a funny thing. We we think something is like silly and goofy, but if the character calls it out, we give it a pass.
2: Yeah, I like that though. I like yeah, that Yeah, me too. Cut to Mike reading the book and as he's looking through the book, part of the book's been like cut out and then there's like Nazi symbols in there. And then he says he goes FitzPatrick Taft University and he gets shushed and then he leaves. <laughs> Did you notice the giant pinky
0: ring that he has on?
2: Yeah, this giant like uh, turquoise pinky ring.
0: Yeah, like a gem or something. Dude, you know as well as I do, there's no budget for a wardrobe in this, especially not for him. That's you know what I mean? Shit. I'm sure there was for the girls or whatever, but not for him. Right. And so you know that that is his turquoise pinky ring. That's like it's it's as big as a digit too. Like it takes up his whole like middle digit. It's cr- it's huge. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, I was trying to look at his fingernails, too, to see if he had, like, a one long nail, oh, you know? Oh, I hate, I hate
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> me too.
2: Cut to Brooke and Amy waiting for Kirsten outside the back entrance of the mall. She rolls up on him. Kirsten opens the back door to Gollum's, and Brooke says, You could have told me that the door was open the whole time. And then they take the tape off the back door, and they close it. And so now the door is locked.
0: Yeah, this is cool. I like this.
2: Then now you cut to Mike going to the back entrance. It's locked, and he can't get in. Cut to inside Gollum. Amy's excited that they're going to have the whole place to themselves. Kirsten says she's going to the sporting goods area. Brooke and Amy are off the lingerie. Kirsten notices that Brooke is holding the tape to the lock of the back door. How are the guys going to get in without the tape? Kirsten gets the tape from Brooke and she tells him she'll meet them in lingerie. Kirsten runs to the back door, puts the tape back on the door, and then closes it. Cut to Mike by a dumpster, and he picks up some sort of, like, crowbar on the ground.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to bust out the window or something, maybe, yeah, pry it open.
2: He runs back to the back door again to use the crowbar, and then he just opens the door, (laughs) realizes it's unlocked.
0: He's like, oh, uh, okay,
2: (laughs) sure. And then he pulls the tape off again, which locks (laughs) the door. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's it's a fun little back and forth that, that, yeah, I like it. I like this little... Neither of them know that they're doing it. Like, they don't know that the other person's even there, but it's fun. It makes for an interesting little back and forth.
2: Yeah, it's like a 30-second scene. It's it's yeah. silly. Yeah. Cut to Brooke looking at the clothes in the lingerie department. Amy rolls up wearing nothing but a negligee. <laughs>
0: yeah, she looks like... like I mean, it's all white. She looks like Emma Frost, the white queen from X-Men.
2: That's a very generous compliment to give yeah. her. Uh, yeah, and it's- I kind of... I back Brooke when Brooke says, what kind of slut dog accident is that? <laughs> and they go back and forth saying, way, no way to each other. What? Yeah, I-, I
0: wrote that down. Way, no way,
2: way, no way. I thought that was funny. And then Amy says, whatever. <laughs> and they spot Kirsten in the lingerie area wearing a wetsuit, like a pink wetsuit.
0: Yeah, like a, like a body glove wetsuit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's almost, it's kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, uh, god damn it. The legend of Billie Jean. How she kinda has that wetsuit, you know.
2: Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of uh Courtney Thorne Smith in summer school as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
2: Sure. 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 They they think she looks totally hot. Cut to the break room with Mike reading his book that he took from the library. He's highlighting things in like denial and powerless. <laughs>
1: He, whatever he hears a sound denial. powerless why am i in this movie
2: why i'm not in this movie i'm not in this movie denial uh. <laughs> he hears a weird sound and he gets up to investigate as he's investigating the elf is watching him but he is he does not notice the elf cut back to the three ladies putting on makeup kirsten says i have a new name for us masters without slaves and she says that i'm like is this Nexium? Are they? Is this the beginning of stages of Nexium? Brooke doesn't get it, and Amy says, "You don't get it, masters without slaves." Brooke laughs, and then she goes, "Yeah," like she gets it. And Kirsten says, "You don't get it." Brooke says, "No," and they all laugh.
0: I like them, man. I I hope nothing happens to her friends because I like them.
2: I hope so too. But, well, spoiler. <laughs> Cut to Mike on the upper level of the mall. Oh, sorry, cut the mic on the upper level of Gollum, looking down at the three ladies, putting on makeup, shakes his head. He goes, this is just perfect. He's smoking a cigarette, and he walks off, and you can hear his heels of his cowboy boots or whatever he's wearing. Clacking. And they don't
0: notice him, even though, yeah, he's clearly... You, you would hear that, especially with, like, no music going on in there, and it, it would echo like a motherfucker. At the very least, you would smell his cigarette, because, again, there is not a moment in this movie... That he is not smoking a cigarette. That's
2: very true.
0: They they probably paid him in cartons.
2: (laughs) Quick shot of the elves. Quick shot of the elf scrambling through the mall. Cut back to the ladies asking where the guys are. And Amy says, I'm getting hungry. Let's order a pizza. Yeah, pizza, pizza from Little Caesars and some cheesy bread. Oh, Oh, I
0: loved Little Caesars. Back in the day when they would actually deliver and shit.
2: So good. And Kirsten says, Get a donut for the break room. And Amy gets excited about that. Suddenly Mike rolls up on him and Kirsten says, Santa, Mike asks what they're doing here. Amy's freaking out. And she's like, we didn't touch anything. We didn't steal anything. Yeah. But yet you're wearing a negligee from the lingerie section.
1: Of
0: course. And I do like how Kirsten calls him Santa throughout the entire movie. And it's like, for me, it was kind of a disconnect because I was like, oh, and in all my notes, I call him Dan Haggerty. I never call him Mike. So, like, I didn't even think of his name as Mike. I just was like, oh, he's Grizzly Adams the entire time. But I do like how there is this Christmassy thing to it where he kind of is Santa and and to her he's Santa. And you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with it, but I, I like that she always calls him Santa no matter what.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, she's kind of what brings him her back to the Christmas spirit, I suppose, sort of. Sort yeah, of. I mean,
0: yeah, because, I mean, ultimately this movie isn't, like, about the Christmas spirit, you know? Like, even the detective's like, nah, that's not what this movie's about, <laughs> you know? But, I don't know, it's just, it worked for me. I just, I just don't think of him
2: as Mike at all. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> well, Amy thinks that he's going to arrest them, and she's freaking out. And Kirsten says, he can't arrest us. He's Santa. (laughs) And she (laughs) says, what are you doing here to him? And he says, I'm taking care of things. And Kirsten says, no, you're not. You didn't even have a job this morning. You're the one who put the tape on the back door. And Brooke gets excited and she goes, cool. Mexican standoff. And Kirsten says, we won't tell if you won't. Mike says, look, I'll make a deal with you. You don't steal anything. You don't break anything. You clean up after yourselves and you don't bug me. And Kirsten says, all right, deal. And Mike says, or you don't get any Christmas presents. And Kirsten says, we don't believe in that. And Mike says, what happened to the beautiful youth of today? You don't believe in anything.
0: And I like this exchange. I like that Kirsten, like, kind of figured it out pretty quickly. She was like, you're the one that put the tape on the door. I just I like that she's she's not a moron at all. And her friends are silly and kinda kinda dumb that that you like them. You like them in the way that you like a like a dumb dog, you know or something, and you don't want to see anything bad happen to them. But I do like that Kirsten is a bit smarter and can figure shit out. She's a good she's a good protagonist, honestly.
2: No, I I totally agree. And there's a really funny music cue right here because it sounds like an after school special or like a sitcom music thing that happens.
0: And the funny thing is, like, I was I was listening for the music in this movie. And, you know, the 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 composer, it's 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 not really memorable, but like they he will throw in some like Christmas tunes. And I think that's when it probably works the best. Like, so it's not like a full on Christmas tune, but they'll he'll like make the music sound Christmassy or, you know, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> cut to Kirsten's home where the grandfather is asking Kirsten's mother, where is Kirsten? She should be home by now. The mom says, I think she's spending the night at her friend Brooke or Amy's house. She doesn't know. She goes one way in the house. He rolls the other way into his study where the German... A scary German guy is there with one of his thugs, which is so funny because it's like they're just hanging out in the study and the mom has no clue. No idea that no one. Someone's there. German grandpa says, I understand she's at the friend's house. Scary German says, no, she's not. Cut to three dudes. The chicks always got dudes around. <laughs> three dudes on their way to Gollum talking about how they're going to get lucky. They're talking about which, which one, and they're talking about which ones they want. And one of the dudes says that Kirsten's a bitch and he doesn't want her. And they're banging on the back door to get in. One of the guys says, "I got a tire iron in my car. We can use it to pry open the door. Right tool for the right job." And one guy grabs his junk and says,
1: "I got your tool right here, hey!"
2: And they walk off.
0: Yeah, it's it's all we see of them. It's it's it's. You know, yeah,
2: they're they're the worst. I'm glad we don't see more of them. It's better than Chopping Mall. Put it that way. <laughs> Some of the guys in Chopping Mall. Yeah. Inside Gollum, the ladies are walking past all the tents in the camping area. Amy says, cool, we got one for each of us. And she ex- inspects one tent. Kirsten and Brooke walk over to another. Brooke, this is hilarious. Brooke asks if Kirsten's really going to do it tonight. Kirsten says, with those guys, forget it. I'm saving it for someone special. Like an elf. (laughs) Right. Brooke says, how do you stop them? Kirsten says, you just say no. Scares the hell out of them. They don't know how to deal with it. Dude. And then Brooke says, I'd rather just go through with it and get into confrontations. I'd rather just go through with it than to get into confrontations. It's easier.
1: Dude. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God,
0: like, this was literally the most appalling piece of dialogue I've, like, ever heard in my life. I think so, too. I was like, what the fuck? You would rather have sex with someone you don't want to have sex with than deal with the confrontation of not having sex with them? Is that what it's like to be a woman in (laughs) 1989? Because that is a
2: nightmare. Do you want to hear my opinion (laughs) on it? I do not... Randy Cosby,
1: go away, Randy Cosby. Go do we shots know. with Santa. <laughs>
2: Suddenly, Amy walks out of her tent holding a portable toilet. Says, "Gross!" Then they hear a <laughs> banging sound and one of the windows breaking. Mike hears it too. Amy comments on the on how the dudes are horn dogs. It's actually the German thugs who are breaking in. They're breaking in and causing the alarm to go off. When they break the door open in the back. One of the boyfriends falls down dead. Is that
0: who that is? Because it looks too old for. Okay, okay. I think I it is because who, yeah. Okay, go ahead. okay, I didn't know who it was at first. That's my note here. Is who who's the person that gets basically they use their head to bust through the door. It's
2: one of the boyfriends, huh? I think it is. Uh, it's a really quick shot, and you never see the guy's face. But I think it's supposed to be one of the dudes. Yep. That makes. A lot of sense.
0: I, I had no idea. I was just like, I don't know who that's supposed to be. It's but. so
2: dark. It's so dark. It's so hard to see at times. So I'm just yeah. going off instinct.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense,
2: dude. You cut to the girls waiting for the boyfriends to arrive or the dudes. Uh, and they have their hands over their ears and they think they're coming. Because the alarm's going off. Yep. Brooke uh, and Amy go over to the elevator. Amy gets in the elevator and, waiting for the guys to arrive. And then you see the gangsters show up, searching the mall for Kirsten. Mike sees the dead body at the back door and goes looking for them. Amy's in the elevator, and the German thugs roll in on her, shaking her, asking her where Kirsten is. She won't tell them. One of the guys puts a gun to her head, cut back to Mike frantically searching Gollum, looking for the bad guys. Kirsten spots the elf out of nowhere. When Mike is running down the stairs... You hear the gunshot from
0: the the elevator and this is some dark shit because I'll just say it now. They're going to find her fucking body in the elevator and her fucking brains are like all over the floor and like the bullet holes in her temple. And I'm like, I'm like, this is again, this is some dark shit. Like I you like these characters and it's also because tonally the girls are kind of goofy. So you're like, oh, they're not going to. They're not going to die, or at least if they do, you sort of expect it to be something a bit more over-the-top, not just executed in an elevator.
2: No, it's really dark, and, and actually moving forward, this is pretty much the tone shifts pretty much at this point.
0: Yeah, from goofy to just stone-cold dark.
2: Yeah. It's a very manic scene, too, because there's a lot going on. So, yeah, you know, uh, Kirsten is in the outdoor area of Gollum where the tents are but there's there's guns there too and that's important mike is continuing to search for the germans he sees guns in the outdoor department and races towards them
0: did you also notice that there's there's a sign that says gifts for mom by the guns
2: (laughs) yes of course (laughs) the germans spot him and they start shooting at him as he tries to make his way over to the counter where the guns are he plops down next to kirsten she calls him Santa. It's hilarious. She's like, hi, Santa, or Santa, help, or whatever. Uh, Mike gets a gun. Kirsten gives him bullets. They start shooting back at the Germans. It's the Germans versus Santa. Mike asks Kirsten if these are the guys that have been waiting for her. Like, you know, are these the guys you've been waiting for her? Implying that they're the boyfriends, but they're, they're not. the boy. yeah. <laughs> he asks if she can make her way to the stairs. She looks over to the counter to see where the stairs are. And then she sees the little elf looking at her. And a really
0: freaky shot of him, too.
2: Yeah, it's really freaky. Mike asks what she saw, and she goes, I don't know, a, a troll. I think it knows you're helping me. Kirsten grabs a gun and gives it to Mike. Now Mike has two guns. Cut to the troll making his way through Gollum while the shootout continues. Cut to Brooke running to, an, running to the elevator. Elevator opens up, and you see Amy's dead body. Like Corey said, Amy's dead body, shot dead. Brooke screams and runs off.
0: Dude, I mean, her fucking like execution style. Like again, bullet hole in the side of her temple and blood everywhere. Much darker than I re- I was actually expecting, but also not expecting a Nazi shootout in a department store in elves. Again, this movie, I I have at this point watching it.
2: No clue where this film's gonna go. <laughs> same, same. Brooke runs off and she runs to like the the warehouse back area of Gollum's where there's a bunch of mannequins. Suddenly the elf pops out of nowhere, she sees it and screams.
0: And this was another super freaky shot because he's actually there. He's he's the elf is there among the, the, the mannequins, the yeah. pile of mannequins, and he moves his head.
2: It's a really cool shot. It is really cool. Uh, Brooke runs away from the elf, and she runs down the staircase. I thought she was going to trip and fall and, like, break her neck, but she doesn't. (laughs) She makes her way down. The elf chases after her. Uh, She tries to hide in a room, but the door gets knocked open by the elf. (laughs) Dude, I wrote down, that elf kicks open the door like he has a warrant. He wants Kirsten, so he's got that. Got that need. He's got that D energy. Cut back to the shootout. Mike says they gotta get out of here. Quick cut back to Brooke, who runs through another part of Gollum, and you see the elf like playing with like a little mechanical piggy. Yeah. (laughs) For some random reason. Uh and the elf is looking around at all the various Christmas ornaments and decorations throughout the store, and Brooke's hiding by Christmas decorations. Suddenly Something gets dropped in front of her. it's like a bear, it's like a stuffed stuffed animal bear. she looks at she looks to see where the bear came from, and it's the elf who has a knife in his hand and he slashes her arm. She falls to the ground.
0: He also has the Santa cap and that one shot, and that's the one shot they use like on the back of the DVD and you know images and everything but it it that uh the santa hat disappears after this though like it's only literally for that one shot, but yeah, he slices her arm, she tries to crawl away
2: continuity. (laughs) You know, like if all the power goes out in the house and then suddenly one room in the house, the power goes on. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That'll, that'll come up later. (laughs) So yeah, she gets her arm cut, but now she's like struggling. She's crawling on the ground, struggling to get up. It's the very cliche, everything that people hate about horror films, where you're getting stalked by somebody like, get up. Why can't you get up? Right. And he cuts her again, slashes her leg. She's struggling to get up. Then he, Gets really close to her, starts stroking her face, and then he stabs her a bunch of times, and she's dead.
0: And this is, like, this is expected. Like, I'm expecting her friends to maybe die by the elf's hands. Again, not expecting one of them to get executed by a Nazi.
2: True. Cut back to the shootout. Mike's got two guns, a la John Woo. (laughs) Scary German man notices that Kirsten is with Mike, and he tells his men to stop shooting at her. When that happens, Mike shoots like a gas pipe that sprays out hot steam on one of the German guys, burning his hand. <laughs> he lets out this scream like
3: ah.
0: Yeah, I think that's the the shaver guy, the one that's in uh, Hellraiser Three, the one with the ponytail. Right. But yeah, his his just freak out when he gets sprayed by the whatever it is, the steam. His right. eyes just get huge like ah. <laughs> I'm like oh my god, come on man, compose yourself. You're a Nazi
2: hitman. Compose yourself. Scary German man says, we must eliminate him, meaning Mike, but it's too dangerous right now. And then you suddenly hear sirens, and they decide to get out of Gollum. Mike shoots back one more shot, and he asks, where the hell are they going? <laughs> where the records room? <laughs> where the hell is the records room? <laughs> Kirsten says, I don't care. Let's just get out of here. Kirsten sees Brooke's dead body in the gra- on the ground, hugs Mike. Mike sees marks on Brooke's wrist with the blood leaking out fade to the next day with the detectives investigating golems
0: when did we see the the elf biting off uh, her finger uh, the dead the dead girl's finger oh sorry yeah
2: so when he was when the elf was attacking Brooke, he was stroking her face at one point and then picks up her hand and he munches on her fingers
0: yeah a- after he kills her yeah i yeah, yeah i didn't understand what that was it doesn't like kind of go dogs. anywhere yeah but he eats her fingers off and then later they do say that Like, they're indestructible, and all they need to do is eat and kill or something. So maybe that was a part of it. But it was just weird that they took the time to show that and to, like, make prosthetic fingers for him to bite off. And it kind of doesn't really go anywhere. So, yeah. Anyways, next day, the scene of the crime, the scene of the shootout.
2: Yeah, hot dog fingers have been eaten. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same detective from earlier in the movie approaches Mike, who's sitting down on a staircase smoking a cigarette. And he says to Mike, you never learn. You're one of the best detectives on the force. And you drank your way out of that job. Mike says, look, I'm telling you what I saw. I saw a two-foot elf. Detective says, yeah, packing AK-47s, riding big elephants. Come on, man. I want the facts. Mike says, don't give me that Joe Friday shit. I'm telling you, this girl's life is in danger. God damn it. The detective says, you want me to put my ass on the line? Mike says, well, that would be a switch. They start arguing as they're walking through golems. Detective says, you're implicated in this whole thing. Mike says, that's why I need a little time. Okay, you got 24 hours, pal. The detective asks him if that's enough time. And Mike says, I don't know if that's enough time. Detective says, well, it better be enough time. <laughs> it's like it keeps going. And <laughs> now, Well, how much time can you give me two more minutes? You know, just to, like <laughs> keeps going. Hugh shows up at Gollum's, walking past a man taking fingerprints on the elevator. He walks over to Kirsten, who's sitting down by the, by the Santa visiting area, and starts yelling at her, saying she's liable for every penny in damage.
0: Her friends are dead.
2: Right? He's like, you know, what did you think you were doing here? And Kirsten says, we were just camping out. And he goes, no, that was a lie. You were planning to rob us. Mike walks over and says, hey, why don't you lay off, buddy? She's been through enough. And Hugh says, "What about me? What about the store? Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. For Christ's sakes, do you think anyone's gonna shop here with blood stains on the floor?" Kirsten says, "I'm sorry, my I'm sorry, my friend bled o- I'm sorry, my friend bled all over your fucking store." <laughs> and you yes, they probably will shot there be- because of it, you know. You're yeah, right. And she's like, "You want me to stay here and clean it up, asshole?" And Mike Mike gets up in Hugh's face and says, "Hey, if you want to hit somebody, you hit me." I knew she was here, and I let him stay. And Hugh says, you didn't belong here either. Kirsten says, if it hadn't been for him, I might be dead too. Hugh says, well, in any event, you're both fired. And he wants them out of there. Mike and Kirsten walk out. Detective says to them, nobody leaves town as they start to walk out. Mike just laughs, and they leave. (laughs) Cut to Kirsten and Mike leaving Gollum's, and Kirsten asks, what happened there? And Mike says, I don't know, but we're going to find out. I'm going to take you back to your house to talk to your folks. Kirsten says, they won't care. Mike says, well, I do. She says, thanks, Santa. And he says, just call me Mike. And then Kirsten says, well, if you don't mind, I'm still going to call you Santa. And he says, whatever makes you happy. They get in his car. But before they do, <laughs> she says, I feel like I should cry. And Then he cut to the elf looking over the dead body of Brooke. This is when he, she bites his fingers. Yeah, pulls, yeah. She pulls uh, the dead body of Brooke is covered with a sheet. The elf pulls the sheet back, revealing Brooke's dead face, blood everywhere. He pulled, picks up her hand and starts chewing on the fingers.
0: Yeah. Why? It's like, I, I don't why? know. Why? Why? But I, I guess it has something to do with, yeah, what they say later. But okay.
2: Cut to Kirsten's house. Kirsten's mom says, I don't believe what I'm hearing. And she goes, you're taking drugs, weren't you? Mom <laughs> says, course. all of you are taking drugs. Kirsten says, it's true. And Mike says, what your daughter's telling you is true. I don't think you understand. Kirsten says, it was not a raccoon. It was a troll. Mom, said, mom walks over to Mike and says, I don't know who you are, but I want you out of here. I'm calling the cops. The idea of my daughter spending the night with a man twice her age. She starts to walk off and Kirsten yells at her and says, don't, don't you ever listen to anything? Mike's trying to calm the mom down and says, I don't think you understand, ma'am. Your daughter's in great danger. These men are trying to kill your daughter. And besides, there's that creature. Kirsten's mom says, I'm calling the police. Kirsten tells Mike that he should just leave. and Mike says, I'm sorry I brought you back. I didn't understand. I'm not going to give up. And as Mike starts to walk out, the grandpa tells him to wait. And he asks Mike to describe the creatures that he saw. Mike says, would you believe me if I told you it was, a, it was two feet tall and it was a troll, just like Kirsten said? And then suddenly Mike, like, looks at the grandfather and says, why don't you tell me something? You tell me what's going on. You seem to know what's going on around here. And the grandfather says, you do not understand the nature of the forces here that are here to destroy you. Suddenly Mike looks down on the ground in the grandfather's study and notices a symbol from his book.
0: Yeah, it's kind of etched into, like, the corner of the wall type of thing. Yeah. He sees it there. It's like a rune symbol sort of thing.
2: Yeah. Mike says, who's going to destroy me? And the grandfather says, I will protect my granddaughter. You cannot help. Do not interfere. The police are on their way. You better leave. As Mike leaves, the mother's standing behind the grandfather. She said, "She says, stupid old man and her and his, and his, and, and her and his stupid mess. The grandfather looks like he's about to like suck his thumb where he's like you're talking about earlier. He looks like yeah, he's it's... got like palsy or something. It's... Or...
0: Yeah, it'll disappear. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> comes back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it does. Cut to it
2: Mike does. getting in his car at Kirsten's house. And he pulls out the book from the library again and says Fitzpatrick Taft University. Cut back to Kirsten in her house, about to go upstairs, and her grandfather stops her. Grandfather says, I'm getting you out of here. Kirsten says, you know what's happening, don't you? Grandfather says, there's many things about my past that I have not told you. There's a destiny, a a destiny that I created for you. Kirsten says she's scared. And the grandfather says, there's no time to be afraid. There are many things that I have done and I must teach you to undo. She runs upstairs and the grandfather says, I have things to
1: prepare.
2: <laughs>
1: now back. I got to
0: say yeah. earlier when the mom accuses them of like doing drugs and everything. And I got to say, as someone who's done drugs, the drugs that they're probably talking about, mushrooms, molly, acid, DMT, I've never hallucinated that I've had a shootout with Nazis and that there were little elves running around and my two best friends got killed. Like, none of that happens in, like, drug use, you know, like, but back then... I thought it did because of movies like this. I mean, I didn't watch this, but it's it was of in the 80s. That's kind of like how it was presented. Like, oh, you smoked marijuana? You hallucinated. You saw a UFO. You saw Sasquatch and everything. I Man, I smoke marijuana every fucking day. If I saw Sasquatch when I
2: smoked marijuana,
0: I would smoke marijuana more. <laughs> like, you know, like it just doesn't
2: happen. I just wish there would be... I wish there would be a movie or, or a TV show at some point where a kid or an, a, a teenager or whatever has some really wild story that they're telling their parents, and the parents just believe them. They're like, okay, how can I help you? Yeah. You know? It's never that way. And that's kind of the cliche of, of the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. It's like every time someone tells them a wild story, they're like, you're on drugs, you're hallucinating, you're a liar. I just want just once I want to see hear, hear them say, OK, well, let's look into that.
0: Yeah. And I just once I hope that whenever I'm a father, Myra and I have a kid. And if they come to me and they say something fucking crazy happened to them. I'm gonna. I want to believe them. Like I want to give them yeah. the benefit of the doubt because I, also too like not just '80s movies, but I listen to a lot of like paranormal podcasts and stuff. And people, you know, he's relating their story of when they were a kid, and then you know their parents didn't believe them. They said it was just a dream or something. And then you know, listening to that person retell it now and how you know how upsetting it was for their parents not to believe them. I am wa- gonna wa- I want to believe my kid like I, hmm. I, I I hope or I should say I hope that I believe my kid when it when it comes to that point.
2: I agree. I I
0: totally yeah, agreed. Because the world's a fucking weird fucking place, man. A lot of weird shit can happen. And I think kids are more open to that kind of shit anyways. So if they're telling you they're seeing something or whatever, and I know, you know, for a fact, Myra had the same situation as a kid. Her parents didn't believe her. when you know, And then you just keep it to yourself. So I want to at least be, like, open to my kid and allow them to come to me and tell me all that crazy
2: shit, you know? Agreed, yeah. Well, this movie's going to get even crazier.
0: <laughs> to keep, I mean, seriously. Every act, it gets crazier and crazier.
2: Cut to Mike now pulling up in front of Taft University's library. I suppose um, he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah, clearly. <laughs>
0: Insert GIF of Gene Wilder from Young Frankenstein.
2: Every scene that goes without saying. Right. He enters the library, or he enters the hall and knocks walks into a woman and knocks her down and her books. She gets upset and she yells at him like, you know, there's no smoking. And he goes, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry about that, too. He goes, can you tell me where I can find a Dr. Gene Scott Fitzpatrick? Suddenly, the woman who was super upset with him is not very happy. And she goes, oh, you can go that way. And she tells him where to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And
2: (laughs) And he goes, oh, thank you very much. You've been very helpful
0: thank you thank you thank you thank you very much
2: have a very merry christmas he lingers way too long i'm like dude go go you're creeping her out and (laughs) goes and he's smoking a cigarette cut to gene scott smoking a pipe in his in his office slash library reading a book mike shows up and introduces himself shows the symbol that he found at the dead santa uh at eddie's body i'll call dr gene uh just fitz fitzpatrick now says, it's not Copic, it's not Phoenician, it's not a rune actually, actually, although it does look like one. He leads Mike up to his spiral staircase, uh, to the upper level of his library. And as they do, he's giving Mike a history lesson on religion. Genesis, Noah, and the Ark, God, who is not pleased with the angels, who've been slipping down to earth to be with women, Plus that thing with the apple is still sticking in his craw and God is fed up with the entire place and decides to do away with everything. But at the last minute he relents and thinks now there's a very fine fella and he's worth saving. I'll save him and his entire family. He's talking about Noah. Yeah. God commands Noah to take animals and put them in his ark. And at this point, Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick pulls a book out from the shelf And continues, among the creatures to be saved, specified by God, it is said that little creepy things are the insects, maybe lizards. This is at this point Fitzpatrick is starting to ramble about shit. And Mike says, what's the bottom line?
0: (laughs) It's cut to the chase, motherfucker.
2: Fitzpatrick says, the bottom line is the little creepy things. They're these little creatures that creep around on two legs. We call them elves. I I like that. I think that's cool. Mike says, elves? Fitzpatrick says, yes, elves. That symbol you showed me, it's attributed to the elves. Mike says, wait a second. Hold on. Like, what are we talking about? They walk down to the bottom floor of the library. The doctor shows a picture of the elves, and like, it looks like they're assaulting a woman. Yeah, and it, the well, it's
0: the same artist. Uh, you can tell it's the same art from earlier um, the anti-Christmas version, or whatever you know, she draws. Um, yeah, they're they're. Yeah, it's hentai. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hentai. <laughs> it's it's elves essentially sexually assaulting uh, a woman. But the quality of the art is
2: damn good. Of Mike. The, sorry, of the quality of the hentai is damn good. <laughs> oh <my God>. Mike <laughs> asked the doctor if there could ever be an elf cult or a sect alive today that would be crazy enough to kill people. Fitzpatrick says, oh, no. But about 50 years ago, there was a group that did a hell of a lot of killing. The Nazis. Mike says the Nazis, they believe in elves. Fitzpatrick says, oh, yes, they believe they believed in a lot of things. If you ignore the brutality, you have to say they were just a bunch of
3: crackpots.
2: (laughs) And Mike says, what the hell were these Nazis going to do with these elves? Fitzpatrick says, I don't know, but Dr. O'Connor does. He's more up to date on the Nazis than I am. Yeah, because he was more of just there for the the rune
0: knowledge. He's not really a a Nazi guy.
2: Right. And and Mike asks where he can find him. And Fitzpatrick says, oh, he's at his home. Mike asks if fitzpatrick believes in elves and he goes i don't but god did (laughs) mike says you've been a lot of help doc you're one piece of work merry christmas and he walks off
0: and i'm not gonna lie i mean i'm not a religious person but i i like that line he's like i don't but god did i thought that was a pretty cool line
2: yeah yeah and in this whole little dialogue moment the 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 professor is uh, quirky and he's silly but i i kind of like it it's it's cool because it offers up a believable explanation in the context of this movie.
0: I have very few faults with this film and I have no problem with like sort of the backstory on the elves and how they're bringing it into modern times and this and that. I think it's actually pretty clever and kind of interesting too. Right. Exactly. And I'm not any kind of biblical scholar. Um, so I don't really know for a fact if it says something like that in the Bible about Noah, but I, I, you kind of assume that it does because they're sort of talking about it. You, you hope that they mention it. So if, if it does, that's cool. It's cool world building, in my opinion.
2: Well, they're all made up stories, folks. So, uh, you know, right? what? Why not?
0: <laughs> no, Jesus is no different than Batman or
2: Superman. Yep. He just. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mike leaves the college and drives off past one of the German goons who follows him.
0: Yeah, I think this is Shaver again. The one with the ponytail. It's not the tall goon. It's
2: the the other goon is the one with the ponytail. Cut to Kirsten's grandfather opening up the velvet cloth with the exposed crystal. He pours something on it that makes it start glowing. Then he picks up a cross and dangles it over it, then places it on top of the crystal, and covers the crystal back up with the cloth. Cut to Kirsten packing up a bag in her bedroom. Her mom walks in and says, "I just talked to the police." Seems you were telling me the truth about your friends. Kirsten runs over to hug her mom, saying she's scared. She hugs her mom. The Mom just stands there coldly. Yeah, mom's a piece of shit. Kirsten says, I wish dad were here. He'd know what to do. <laughs> brace, your, brace, <laughs> yourselves. Brace, <laughs> brace
0: yourselves. Brace yourselves.
2: <laughs> Take a deep breath, everybody. <laughs> mom Again, says,
0: I didn't see this coming at all. Even because our first time viewing, we didn't really listen like to the sound so i didn't
2: see any of this coming same mom says you remind me of your father you're a lot like him kirsten says i am (laughs) yeah and mother says you're in a wheelchair (laughs) mother says you're you're attractive you're bright you're independent impulsive Self-centered, narcissistic, and I know exactly what's been going on. You and your friends were not supposed to be there. And this might not have been your fault, Kirsten, but it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have been there. Kirsten goes back to packing. The mom says, don't look away from me when I'm talking to you. Why are you packing? Where do you think you're going? Kirsten starts to talk about her grandfather and, and her mother says, shut up about your grandfather. He's a total. And then Kirsten says, why do you hate everyone? Why do you hate me so much? Kirsten says, I wish you were dead. I wish dad was still alive. And mom says, dad, you want to talk about dad? Go to the study and talk to him. Kirsten says, what are you saying? Dad's dead. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Corey says,
0: what are you saying? <laughs> like Seriously, like when she first utters that line, I'm, I'm like, I was I think I was taking notes. I like I paused. I like looked up and I same as Kirsten. I'm
2: like, what are you saying right now? And Kirsten's mom says, the man in the study is your grandfather and your father. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Dude, when I heard
0: that, it was the fucking the shot in Jaws of Brody when the kid get, you know, or kid, kid gets killed and the camera like zooms in, but also rack focuses. It literally that was me. And I was like, oh, my God, I it couldn't believe amazing.
2: the movie was going here. Amazing moment, amazing <laughs> moment. He's your sister, your father. Your what is it? Your sister, your mother. Your sister, your mother. It's from Chinatown.
0: So I, yeah, I know, yeah, yes. Fucking love Chinatown, by the way. Um, and then my mind immediately went to. So is her brother
2: also the son of the grandpa? Well, they don't address that. Spoiler: they don't even talk about that. So
0: I think she had. I think the mom had probably had a world building. Corey mom probably had the, and again, all now makes sense why the mom is the way she is. And so like world building Corey's like, Oh, the mom probably went out and had a a wild time at one point to kind of, you know, rebel. And that's probably where the younger
2: brother came from. I agree. I agree. All this is going on. And the elf is watching.
0: All, all this is going on. The elf is like the elf looks back at the camera. Can you fucking believe this shit? <laughs>
2: That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Cut to a large mansion. Mike arrives at Dr. Connor's house and barges in on a family as they're cutting the turkey dinner. Uh, the father is cutting the turkey with an electric knife. And the daughter asks if it's roast, if it's roast beef. And the dad says, no, sweetie, that's roast turkey.
0: <laughs> what your mom has between her legs is
1: beef.
2: <laughs> Rosa, Rosa the nanny, tries to stop Mike from coming in, but he barges in. Mike barges in and says, I need to get some vital information from you. And The man says, how dare you burst in on me like this? It's Christmas Eve. I'm having dinner with my family. If you want to talk to me, call my office on Thursday. And so Mike says, look, I know it's Christmas Eve, and I want to apologize about that. I got your number. I got your number from... From Dr. Fitzpatrick, I need you to help me out with this matter. It's a matter of life and death. It's not going to wait till Thursday. You understand? And doctor says, you know, I'm the member of the neighborhood watch. And he's holding the knife up to Mike. (laughs) And Mike says, come on, man, take it easy. It's just going to take a minute. Same time, his two daughters are sitting there watching this all (laughs) go on. Yeah. Doctor says, all right. What's it about? Mike says, tell me what you know about elves and the doctor says my god this is a matter of life and death he tells rosa to call the police and tries to tell her in spanish he's like nueve uno uno
0: <laughs> and it, i like how like dan haggerty santa is like look man like i'll be gone before you can even like just just tell me what i need i just need a minute you know yeah, he's, he's like, like tell like, me what i the need he's the
2: most ac- he's the most accommodating intruder there ever was yeah. So he gives Mike a minute. And Mike says, I want to know about the connection between elves and Nazis. And the doctor says there are two schools of thought. Again, his daughters are watching him go on. They actually cut to the daughters watching. <laughs> Listening. This <conversation>. yeah. Listening <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Doctor says there's two schools of thought. One, the Nazis experimented with elves as assassination teams, small, easily hidden, silent, and vicious. They have magical powers they can't be hurt or killed they eat anything they're a perfect soldier and i guess the eating anything is
0: is the fingers scene right like him yeah. eating the fingers yeah which i guess is supposed to what imply that they can get rid of the evidence essentially i sure
2: okay sure <laughs> sure their problem is they're a perfect soldier problem is there's no such thing this is when the kids are looking at them listening intently The doctor continues the theory. Elves were a genetic engineering experiment. But I like this one better. It makes a science in the cult. Nazis did have some clever scientists. This is before today's technology, of course. Each each elf was the house. The haploid gene structure in its sperm cells to produce the master race once again. Magical Magical powers can't be hurt or killed driven to select the genetic, perfectly human mate, the proverbial virgin. Of course, holy midnight confirmation on Christmas Eve. Again, the kids are watching. (laughs) Listen intently. (laughs) Mike says, wait a minute. You mean, Dr. interrupts and says, the elves meet with a virgin on Christmas Eve to produce the master race, and it will eventually rule the world. But once again, the problem is, there's no such thing. No elves. Mike walks off and the dad scolds his kids. He looks at his watch like he's not he doesn't even realize Mike has walked off at this point. He looks at his wa- watch to tell Mike his time's up. But Mike's already leaving the house to split. And I love how the kids right at the end of the scene go,
0: Dad, what's Elfs? And they say E-L-F-S. And he, he just looks at him. He goes, elves like he corrects them um I gotta say this scene the guy who plays Professor O'Connor Paul Rohrer Rohrer R-O-H-R-E-R um honestly he does a great job delivering some bonkers dialogue without even like breaking a beat like without even batting an eye he delivers insane dialogue and I was like Good for
2: you, guy.
0: You know, like as an actor, I was like, "Good for you."
2: Yeah, all that stuff that I just spouted, like he—he, he, it's very convincing.
0: Yeah, he—he he spouts it and he doesn't even like fucking flinch. He just spits it all out, and I'm like, "That's now that's good
2: acting right there." And I'm like, "I want to look up what the heck a haploid gene is." So you go. <laughs> Seriously, what the heck is a haploid gene? We're in the record room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
3: hey,
0: everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right
2: back after these short messages. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more.
0: Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite
1: content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative.
2: Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.
1: I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello! And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie.
0: We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear
2: three more white guys with beards talk about action movies...
0: And argue about where they belong on our list...
1: And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie.
0: Join
2: us every Tuesday and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal Mm. is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) And now, back to the show. Cut to Mike driving. He's driving to Kirsten's house to save her. He's being tailed by the Nazis. Cut to Kirsten with her grandfather Slash dad.
3: (laughs) Slash dad!
0: We have to change that now! My god! And now
2: he, he says, I'm not proud of what I did, but I did what I thought was necessary. I thought it was important. I was so ashamed. That is why you were never told, and now you need to know you are in danger. We cut to mom in the bathroom getting her bathtub ready. She turns on the radio while she's getting ready to take a bath. The radio is right by the bathtub. That's important. It's on a little stool. Cut back to grandfather, continuing to talk to Kirsten, convince her why he did what he did. He goes, it was not for her. I wouldn't do nothing to hurt my own daughter. She was drugged and unconscious. I took no pleasure in it.
0: So he had sex with her. He didn't inseminate her like, like, you know, with, with the turkey baster. He had sex with his daughter when she was 16. This movie is so much darker than I ever thought it would be.
2: Drugged and Unconscious
0: Bill Cosby style. Hey, did someone say <laughs> drugged and
2: unconscious? Uh, Randy Cosby, would you go? I thought
1: you were hanging out with Santa. Ho, oh, oh, ho, he's helping me fill my sack. Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, dude, of all the times when fucking Randy Cosby should show up, this should be the episode.
2: This
1: is the time. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm hey.
0: back.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cut back to mom in <laughs> the bathroom.
0: I just love how you just dropped it and it just moved. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's what I do. I'm, I'm a professional. No, professional. I'm a goddamn professional. Goddamn professional. Cut back to mom in the bathroom putting on lipstick and doing her hair because she's crazy.
0: And she's like smearing the lipstick on her face.
2: And she, then she smears it into the mirror too. Yeah. yeah. Grandfather, and again,
0: again, all of the mom shit makes sense now.
2: Right. Cut back to Grandfather continuing to disturb Kirsten. (laughs) Disturb all of us. The inbreeding was planned. It was controlled so you would be the perfect female line. A repository. A receptacle for pure genetic information that we sought. It must survive. Must conquer. Kirsten says, you're insane. Grandfather says, but Kirsten,
1: I love you and you're beautiful. And you're perfect.
2: And I love you. He grabs her, but she breaks free and storms off. Thank God.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like the grandpa goes from like, sometimes you think he's going to be like, I guess, on her side. I, I don't know, man. The grandfather's a wild character.
2: Cut back to the mom who's yeah painter, painting her face like a clown. She's having a meltdown. Cut to Kirsten in her bedroom. little brother walks in and says, you think we're going to get any good presents this year? Because there doesn't seem to be much under the tree. She just hugs her brother. (laughs) Alf looks up at the window from outside.
0: My brother, uncle. She hugs him as if she doesn't know who he is at this point. Right.
2: Who are you, (laughs) Willie? Fucking (laughs) Willie. Cut to Mike driving down the road, being chased by Nazi German bad guys. Mike opens his glove box and there's a bomb in the car.
0: Yeah. I was like, Holy shit, okay.
2: He gets out jumps out of his car, car rolls down the street and explodes. Bad guys pull up next to the car thinking that Mike is dead and they watch the car in flames. Mike jumps out of nowhere to surprise the German bad guy and punches him in the face. He asks the German bad guy where Kirsten is. She better be okay. The guy's not saying anything to him. He so goes, what, what are you
0: so what does Mike do?
2: He rains blows down upon his head. Well yeah, the dialogue's hilarious here. He's like What are you, some kind of goddamn Nazi? Is that elf yours? Then he punches him again. He's like, how many teeth you got, huh? Punches him again. Now how how many teeth you got? (laughs) Suddenly the man starts convulsing, foaming in the mouth. He took a cyanide pill, and he kills himself.
0: Yeah, and I came to that same conclusion. There is no definitive proof of that. They don't show that. No. But I'm with you. I think that was that fake tooth cyanide pill thing.
2: Because I'm correct.
0: Why not? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, fucking Grizzly Adams just beats his face in. The guy doesn't even, like, say anything.
2: No, and then he rips off, like, a cufflink or a pin off the guy's jacket, and it's the same symbol from earlier in the movie.
0: Yeah, the one that Grandpa had on the corner of his study door thing where Mike
2: uh, or Dan Haggerty Santa saw it. Cut to the mom disrobing, which is hilarious because it's a clear it's like you see the the color even changes in the room. It's a clear body double (laughs) getting into the bathtub and she's now relaxing in the bathtub.
0: I I know. And there's a it's amazing. I I mean, there's a shot at some point where she's like in the bathtub. You can't tell it's like it's the body double. And you just again, you straight up like see this poor body doubles fucking vulva. Like use you your entire <laughs> vagina at one point. Maybe that's the reason this will never be on Blu-ray, you know?
2: No, I think far worse has been put on Blu-ray. Yes, that is correct.
0: Far worse to, has right. been
2: committed to Blu-ray in 4k <laughs> and I own it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You cut to the evil elf in Kirsten's house playing with the Christmas tree. Then you cut to Kirsten with her little brother in her bedroom. They hear a sound brother thinks it's santa cut back to the elf kicking an ornament cut to mike driving down the road cut back to the grandfather having some sort of weird stroke and his head cocked to the side (laughs) well i guess at at this point because he's like spilled everything to kirsten he's probably feeling traumatized and horrible too and then cut to kirsten in her room hiding from her grandfather hiding from everyone her
0: mom her grandfather
2: the elf everybody understandably so yeah Cut to the elf opening up the bathroom door to the mom in the bathtub. She's washing her face with a washcloth, not noticing the elf is in there. Suddenly, the stool where the radio is sitting on starts moving. And the music is like the orchestra music from Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) So... Christmas movie part two suddenly the elf pushes the radio into the bathtub electrocuting the mom the mom convulses screaming the elf nodding his head like he's in a heavy metal band like yes it shall be yeah it's
0: awesome I mean again you see the body double but now they show her face but you know there's so much stuff happening you can't really tell that it's not the actress of the mom but yeah you see full-on nudity as she's getting electrocuted and everything
2: yeah, it's 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 pretty wild shot and very disturbing. This entire movie is disturbing, yeah, bro. Mike, what part is not <laughs> disturbing? Uh, Mike gets to Kirsten's house just as the power gets knocked out.
0: Yeah, I guess that the the you know him the elf killing the mom knocks out the power. I guess, but then but the then studio or the I'm sorry, Grandpa is uh, left. La- Den, lounge, library still has power. So maybe it has, you know what? You know what? I'll world build here. He put a generator back up to that one room because Nazi reasons, you know? Because Nazi reasons. <laughs> yeah.
2: Mike runs upstairs to look for Kirsten, finds Kirsten and the little brother. The little brother has a flashlight. And <laughs> Willie, the little brother, says, hey, that's not Santa. And then Mike asks Willie to use the flashlight, to borrow the flashlight. And Willie goes, Yeah, don't break it, like a little dick. You see lights flashing from the bathroom. Mike opens the door of the bathroom with the flashlight and sees the mom being charred in the tub. And I like how she's still twitching and convulsing in there. Like, yeah. Like
0: she's dead. Like, you know, she's dead. But I like how the body double is doing those, like, little twitches. I was like, That's a. Awesome little attention to detail. And then I also like, I'm sure you tracked it, but I'll just say it. I liked how Mike's like, "Uh, your mom's okay. Like the kid's like, is mommy okay? And he's like, no, no, she's she's fine. She's fine. I like how he didn't, you know, he he composed himself for Willie, the little 10-year-old boy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, When he looked in on the mom, he notices the pagan, or he notices the Nazi symbol written in blood on the bathtub. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's when Willie says, you know, where's my mom? And, yeah, she'll be fine. (laughs) No, she's not. They go downstairs getting ready to go, and the grandfather is blocking the doorway with his wheelchair, not letting them out. Mike says, you get out of my way. And the grandfather says, I must show her how to destroy it. You can destroy it later tonight, but right now there's a couple of humans trying to kill her. (laughs) Her grandfather slash dad says, no, they want to protect her. They will not hurt her we have until midnight they are making preparations we must make preparations for ourselves
0: and this is the scene like the grandpa's neck is no longer parkinson or whatever you want to say it like it's no longer he yeah he, he's this is when i was like come on man like if you're gonna do a character trait like you have to maintain it the entire time
2: yeah totally totally Kirsten thinks her grandfather's slash dad is crazy, which he is. Mike Obviously. says, Mike says, take it easy. I heard a ton of crazy things today. Nothing crazier than that. They follow the grandfather into uh, his, his den. Mike pushes the grandfather in there and their grandfather says, what you may have heard today. Today is nothing, nothing lies, rumors that we spent 50 years spreading, but we only wanted people to hear certain things. Mike says, what, you were one of them? Tell me something. What the hell is this? And he shows the, the like, insignia, the little pin, that, the cufflink to Kirsten's grandfather dad. <laughs> and this is when I noticed the power is back on. And the grandfather goes, that's our original insignia. Suddenly, Willie, who's being held by Kirsten, says, what's wrong? Are we going to be all right? And Kirsten says, no, no, Willie. Gramps is a Nazi.
0: We're not going to be all right. Grandpa's
2: a Nazi. Gramp rolls over to Kirsten and Willie. And he says, I was what I, I was. What I am now is unimportant. I will pay the price for what I have done. I impregnated my own daughter to produce an offspring that would be suitable for the elf. Mike goes, Jesus Christ. Kirsten interrupts and says, Suitable? Like, what the hell? Jesus Christ? She's totally shocked, as she should be. <laughs> Mike goes, my God, I can't believe what I'm hearing. These goddamn stories are true. You created your own perfect genetic line and used your daughter to give, give birth? To raise an army of elves for the Fourth Reich? You demented, perverted son of a bitch. You make me sick. And the grandfather says, yes, there will be an army of elves but it's the offspring of an elf, and a human is neither elf nor is it human. Mike says, what the hell is it? The grandfather says, if you are alive tomorrow, read the last book of the Bible Revelations. It is a very frightening story that connects us tonight at midnight if we do not stop. Kirsten says to Mike, she goes, don't you see he's crazy? And the grandfather continues, she's the daughter of Elysium. Chosen to give birth to his family. He is Antichrist. Grandfather says, I will show you. I will show you. Give me the sketchbook. They pull out the sketchbook that Kirsten drew the the naked lady in from earlier. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's supposed to be her sketchbook. Yeah.
2: And then the grandfather holds up the cuff link, right? And the grandfather opens the sketchbook to the naked girl. And he starts on her breast, starts drawing the Nazi symbol, which looks nothing like the symbol that he's holding in his hand. No, but But it's the the Nazi symbol. Yeah, it's the Nazi. And anybody can do that. I'm sure anybody can do that. And he draws swastikas on her breasts.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And Mike goes,
2: this is incredible. Where'd you get this? And Kirsten says, I dreamed it. And Grandfather says, it comes from your dream. Your dream comes from your deepest being. It is inside you. You know how to do it. Kirsten says, do what, Grandfather? Grandfather says, kill the elf. Grandfather says, I will show you how. And he rolls over to his desk and opens the velvet fabric and pulls out the crystal. Grandfather says, it's an elf stone. Suddenly you hear talking from somewhere and Mike tells him to shut up. Scary German guy comes in with a video camera and he's introducing everyone on the camera. You see a POV shot of the camera He introduces the grandfather as Dr. Heller, and then he he introduces Willie and Kirsten. And then when he gets to Kirsten, he says, oh, our bright spark of divinity. Suddenly, Mike, out of nowhere, grabs Scary German Guy, throws the camera to the ground, and throws Scary German Guy to the ground, too.
0: And I like that they had that scene. Like I like that they actually added that uh you know extra it was kind of like in, in silent night deadly night part two when they had the eight millimeter footage you know for the for the you know the flashback or whatever um i like that they added this little bit of change to the visual aesthetic of the film
2: yeah it was cool it, it's really random and yeah and creepy too because he's like voyeuristic and filming them but Uh, yeah it it adds a
0: level of of creepiness to it especially since the especially since willie because like willie's not like a dick anymore the little kids at this point moving forward he's not as much of a dick as he was earlier and he's kind of like holding on to kirsten and everything and you know you almost like kind of like feel sorry for him then you remember he was such a fucking bastard earlier
2: yeah he's still a pervert
0: well yeah i mean that's
1: not gonna change
2: no it's only gonna get worse folks So sorry to say in real life, in real life, world building for Willie. Uh, He's going to turn out to be a perv who gets busted, picking up people by the pier.
0: Oh yeah. No, there's no happy ending for Willie or Kirsten or anybody in this movie.
2: No, they're all doomed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll get to that too. So at this point, um, another giant Nazi thug shows up and attacks Mike. Mike tells Kirsten and Willie to get out of there. But, scary German guy gets up off the ground and tries to stop them. He closes the entrance to the study and he says, you cannot avoid this. Suddenly grandpa slash dad has a gun and tells them to let them go. The same gun that he had earlier. He shoots the massive, uh, German thug twice in the belly, but it doesn't stop him. The man grabs the gun, pulls the grandfather out of the wheelchair and throws him to the ground. But then that's when the, the thug drops to the floor and dies, question mark?
3: Because he's sort not yet. dead yet.
2: Yeah. But you're kind of, it's implied. Suddenly, scary German guy grabs the gun. Kirsten yells out, like, no! And the grandfather gets shot once in the back. Like, <laughs> okay. She's sad for her grandfather.
0: <laughs> her grandfather father.
2: Weird. And, but then Mike grabs scary German guy and punches him. Wrestles him to the ground and tells Kirsten to run with her brother. Kirsten looks back and sees the elf crystal glowing on the velvet, but runs out anyways without grabbing it. She runs out of the house with Willie. They take off through the forest. Scary German guy gets punched by Mike, but then the German thug that we thought was dead... Grabs the gun and then you don't hear the gunshot go off, but Mike gets acts like he's been shot. It's like the sound effect wasn't there. Did you? Yeah, pick up I on noticed
0: that? that too. Yeah, I kind of noticed that too. It, yeah, it, but yeah, he gets shot and yeah, Mike goes down. Right. Uh, scary German guy gets up and leaves. I think after the big one shoots him, he dies though. Like he's the big one is
3: dead. The yes. main
0: scary German guy is the only one that at this point technically.
2: Uh, is left. Right. And Mike has been shot, but we don't know whether he's alive or dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Scary German guy storms off out of the house to, to chase after Kirsten and Willie. When he gets out of the house, he gets in a Jeep and drives off after them. Cut back to Willie and Kirsten in the forest. Willie asks where they are. Kirsten says, I don't know, but that's good because no one will find us cut back to scary German guy driving after them, driving down the road and it's cutting back and forth between Kirsten and her brother and scary German guy. Suddenly, scary German guy swerves <laughs> off the side of the road and the car just like flops over.
0: Yeah, he just like fucking flips his car for no reason whatsoever. No, I was like, what the fuck? I guess no one taught driving in driving school in Nazi right. Germany.
2: <laughs> he gets out of the Jeep and then starts to run off into the forest to find them. Kirsten is shocked when she suddenly realizes she arrives at the same spot where she cut her hand in the, beginning of the, in the beginning of the movie. It's almost like it's fate. Right. She looks down at her hand and now her hand has the wound back on it and it's bleeding.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. I was like, okay, they're, they're saying, cause it, it kind of ties into earlier in the movie where her, her, her wound was completely healed and everything. And I'm like, they're, they're doing something here, and it kind of doesn't get explained or whatever, but I, I felt like there was something here that
2: they were trying to do with that. Right. No, I agree. Scary German guy shows up from behind Willie and Kirsten and says, can you feel it? The magic of this place. I had heard of it. Kirsten falls to the ground, and scary German guy says, I desire not to hurt you. I love you. I love you more than anything. You are everything. Kirsten's fighting off scary German guy at this point, and he tells her to calm down. Suddenly you hear a gunshot, and you see the elf in the distance. Scary German guy's been shot. He's dead. He falls down to the ground.
0: Yeah, dude, that elf is like... He's very proficient with all kinds of like like combat weapons between Elvis. knives and guns and everything. And uh, you know, thinking about the dialogue when you said the the Nazi guy was like, "Oh, this place is magical." Yada yada. I I, I do wish there was some dialogue stating why the grandfather sort of moved here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I do wish there was a reason <laughs> that they're in Colorado Springs, Colorado. you know, basically.
2: Right. Yeah, because there's no explanation whatsoever.
0: <laughs> no, but it would that would have been a really cool thing if it was like, I don't know, is this on the exact, like, if you drill a hole through the globe, like, is this on the exact opposite side of Nazi Germany? Or, I don't know, something would have been interesting to sort of tie the location in, um, other than it just, I guess, being you know, woods or forest essentially.
2: Right. Yeah. Kirsten tells Willie that she needs to get the crystal. She tells Willie to go get the crystal from grandpa <laughs> slash dad's study.
0: This reminds me of Excalibur when it's like, uh, shit, I forgot the name of the guy at the end where, where, uh, you know, not Lancelot. What the, I fucking forgot his name. Anyways, when, um, Arthur tells him to, you know, go chuck the sword in and then, yeah, I didn't do it. And then we'll go back and do it. It's like, you're just at the house. Now you got to go back to the house again. You know, it just, it kind of felt like that. I just, I wish they'd grabbed the stone then and just kind of streamlined things.
2: That, and you have to remember, Willie had no idea where they were going. And then suddenly she tells right. Willie, the, the kid who doesn't know where they are, to go back to the house and get the crystal.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay yeah I know and I guess it's easier to go back home you might have an easier time to do that than it would be to get back to where you just were but he does call out for his sister when he comes back but we'll we'll get that in a second
2: yeah so Kirsten Willie takes off and now Kirsten has to deal with the elf the elf is holding her down his arms are on her as she's struggling to move away from him she backs herself into a tree Willie runs off through the forest while she's struggling and fighting with the elf, who looks like he's trying to get on top of her.
0: He's, he is, he is. <laughs> you know, he is.
2: Suddenly the elf gets distracted by like a beetle or a cockroach or something on the ground and he goes to eat it. But then he like tries to give it to Kirsten as well.
0: No. So this is where I kind of tied in the, him digging up the cat and everything. Like he's almost like trying to gift her, like give her a gift, which I guess also ties into the whole Santa thing, presents, yada yada yada. Oh yeah, that works um, too. But yeah, so like, but that's this did cause me to sort of reevaluate the cat scenario because I'm like, okay, I think he was like again with the cat when he like when she saw him in the window and he's holding the dead cat up. I think he was trying to, you know, uh, adhere to her wishes because she's asking, you know, where the cat is. She wants to see her cat, and he's like, uh, I I got her. Here she is. Right, and again, all of all of it is just to facilitate him getting into her pants, though. <laughs>
2: pretty much, pretty much, and and he's making moves. He's making moves, baby. But Willie gets back to the house to go get the crystal, but the crystal is not on the desk anymore. But then, out of nowhere, Mike struggles and gets up from uh, by the desk and gives the crystal pieces to Willie and tells him to run off to give them to Kirsten. So he's alive long enough to give them the Willie. And we never see Mike again at this point moving forward.
0: Yeah. I, I want to believe that he survives this. I, I hope.
2: Me too. Well, yeah. After yeah, the I, ending, well, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so Willie is getting lost in the forest again, and he's calling for his sister. She hears him and she calls back. Willie is able to find her and sees that the elf is on top of her. She asks for the crystal Willie says, what are you going to do? And Kirsten says, I know what to do.
0: And I like how she's like, just hand it to me slowly because the elf is kind of still standing there like looking. And I like how she's like, just hand it to me slowly.
2: Yep. And she flashes back to the image of the sketch that she had earlier. And it's a picture of a woman with like a goblet in one hand and like a heart in the other.
0: Well, no, the heart, that heart what you think is a heart that's the gem that's supposed to be the gem
2: that's the gem okay it's very round looking in the picture yeah yeah she has the crystal in her hands and she crawls back to the the like the elf has moved off her at this point and she crawls back to the spot where the blood was leaked into the ground and she plunges the crystal into the ground suddenly a big explosion goes off and the elf starts freaking out
0: And the pyrotechnics, when she throws that in the hole, I assume that's her. I assume it's not a stunt double. Those pyrotechnics go off like really close to her face.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking. Like she could have probably been hurt seriously, but she's not. Uh, Everything goes kind of bright white light. and, And it's almost like things are getting sucked into the hole because the elf gets sucked into the hole and. Kirsten struggles to crawl over to a tree that Willie's hugging and she hugs Willie and the tree while the elf gets sucked into the ground.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not illustrated as clearly as Zach is making it out to be. <laughs> no. I, I do believe that that's what they're trying to do. And and they were trying to make, like, it seemed like air was flowing and, you know, Willie and, and Kirsten are like, ah oh, you know, I do believe that's what it's trying to be. But, yeah, it's it's not. But they do some, you know, interesting video distortions and everything when it's happening.
2: Yeah, it's kind of cool. I, yeah. I, I think it's kind of cool. It reminds me a little bit of Phantasm, you know. with the, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, when and they then, go into the other, like, when he goes into the other dimension, it's kind of pull his way out and everything. Yeah.
2: Right. Right scene fades to black when the new scene opens up you see kirsten's face and a little drop of water hits her on the face and it's daytime and it's snowing and the camera camera pans away and they're in the forest but the forest is now completely torched like there was a legit forest fire there not that long ago so my
0: question is yeah did did they go to a different filming location they must have yeah because it looks like apocalyptic now you know and and it's snowing and almost like it's almost like a nuclear sort of winter and you know i I don't know how i didn't know how they achieved that i didn't know if it was just like is it just colorado forest without you know stuff there but yeah i i think it's cool because it implies to me that the force of this elf getting destroyed also destroyed the woods around them it's sort of a la predator the end of predator
2: yeah yeah, I also hope that they didn't really torch a forest just for this shot.
0: I don't think they had the budget for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's I'm sure true. they just found some, you know, yeah, some area.
2: So they're hugging each other, they're hugging the tree. Movie slowly fades out, but as it does, scene fades and you see the inside of what's a probably Kirsten's belly and it is a baby elf. And all you hear is a heartbeat as the credits roll and the movie ends. And that is the end of Elves. But it's not the end of Elves. Yeah, kind of
0: reminding me of pro-life, the John Carpenter thing. Oh, yeah. Masters of Horror a little bit. Um, My only complaint, like minor complaint is I wish, and this sounds horrible, but I wish the elf had sex with her because like, I don't know when... She got impregnated. You know what I mean? Well, like, I think
2: that's implying that it did.
0: Well, oh, so like at some point when she came, okay, so maybe the the while Willie was gone, you think that the elf had sex with her at that point? Then I I think so. Okay, okay. I didn't I didn't pick up on that, but I think you're probably right. I think that's what the filmmakers were probably trying to say. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty dark ending, especially since that fucking fetus thing, that elf fetus thing, is like pretty much on the credits for, for most of the credits, you know? Yeah. It's like
2: half the, half the roll of credits that go by.
0: Yeah. So dude, this is a first time watch for both of us. What are your final thoughts on this one?
2: I mean, it's really dark. It's really dark. Uh, And fortunately it's, it's rewatchable because it's so silly and absurd at times. And it's so over the top, but if it was played straight, well, you know, if it, it was, if it was played straight and not for laughs at moments, then it would be probably an unwatchable movie because it's just the subject matter is so intense. But it again, you're watching it and you're like, wait, no, it, it can't be, they killed a cat. No, it can't get any worse than that. Oh my gosh. There's incest. No, it can't get any worse than that. Oh wait, there's Nazis and there's incest. Oh, it, okay. This is bizarre and crazy. And I'm kind of in for the ride. So yeah, is it a rewatchable Christmas horror film? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. No, dude. Everything you said, I'm I'm with you. Um, it's 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 a dark movie, man. It is really fucking dark. But you're right. It, the the sort of the levity that sort of comes from the goofy characters kind of like offsets it, you know, right. and whatnot. But. I mean, this movie is really dealing with some deep, dark trauma. And I think, weirdly, they're expressing it accurately in the form of the mom. You know what I mean? Like, again, after the first watch, well, first watch doesn't count because we weren't really paying attention. But, like, after, like, my watch to pay attention, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, so much, so many, so much of the mom's actions and her demeanors and everything It makes so much sense afterwards. Um, Probably my only gripe, and it's not really a gripe, it's just a tonal issue, is like the two girlfriends. I didn't think they needed to die as brutally as they did, but that does just add to the tapestry of craziness that is this movie.
2: It's got, I mean, they got to have a certain kill count in this film. You know, and it's over the top. Dan Haggerty seeing him in this kind of role versus Grizzly Adams is hilarious. Um you know, the 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 cheesiness is what makes it super entertaining.
0: Yeah, you you know, you, you come for the cheesiness, but I think you you stay for the darkness. Like you stay for yeah. for how, how dark this gets. Um now you've seen grizzly adams is dan haggerty is does he act more consistent in that movie or in that show or is this kind of par for dan haggerty
2: it's been so long since i've seen that movie i are it's been so long since i've seen that tv show i can't really remember but i do remember like his kind of energy and cadence being similar to that like okay he's not really acting you feel like he's, he's just having a conversation with people um I mean, I kind of want to watch more Dan Haggerty movies now, and there's a there's a ton of like cheeseball B movie films that he's done, so I'm I'm down to check out more Dan Haggerty.
0: Yeah, I mean, he did something like in like 2012 or 2011, where yeah, Paul Bunyan or some zombie, like it's some horror movie in the woods or something. But yeah, he was he, was he was working, man. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm I'm glad you brought this one to the table. Me too. Um, I'm glad that like the theme for our 2023 Christmas movies, our Christmas picks are, like, surprisingly good. Like, that's what we're... we're both, we were surprised by Silent Night Dead Deadly Night Part 2 of how much we enjoyed that movie. And we were surprised at how much we enjoyed this movie, too, as, as dark right. as it was. And both movies are dark. And thematically, both movies also deal with, like, childhood trauma and all this kind of stuff. Like, who would have thought, like, fucking... 80s christmas horror movies would also be this deep
2: perfect for uh you and me yeah
0: perfect bad right so yes
2: (laughs) but not
0: perfect for two dollar
2: late fee
0: (laughs) what no i know that uh this is dropping on christmas day so people probably you know it's the end of the month everyone knows what's going on with uh two dollar late fee um this month but uh you're gonna be on hiatus for january correct Um, Correct.
2: But then people might not know. You know, we we shook things up a little bit this month uh, because of a twenty four. They released the Iron Claw Uh, as of this taping. Well, as of this episode dropping, it had just come out. It came out the Friday prior. uh, And it's that's a wrestling movie about the Von Erich family. And the the only reason I
0: even know about them is from you.
2: Yeah, right. And uh, we kind of pivoted a little bit, dropping uh, not one but two exclusive interviews with uh, the director of Iron Claw, Sean Durkin, and a guy named David Manning, who was the head referee for the company that the Von Erichs... uh, represented world-class championship wrestling. He was also one of the main bookers of the company that was booking matches for world-class championship wrestling. He's close friends with Kevin Von Erich, the whole Von Erich family to this day. So he has a really deep and close insight into what uh, was going on in the eighties. And we focus mostly on like positive stories, but man, David tells some great stories about, the Von Erichs, the business back then. Um, so that was kind of like out of the blue interview that we, we dropped. So that just came out and, uh, Paul and I are also covering a couple of our favorite Von Eric matches on territory marks. So nice. we'll wrap up the year with our interview with Vince DeCola and, and, uh, Kenny Meredith, his longtime partner, uh, musician partner and guitarist. And it's a, they do a live performance, on that show it's more focused on transformers the movie believe it or not which is really cool um and yeah and then in january we take a hiatus but we'll be we we will be dropping some stuff that uh i will reveal on podcasting after darks wrap up after dark as well as uh uh two dollar late feeds patreon tales from the video store
0: nice nice okay cool good shit
2: (laughs) it is yeah yeah so find out what that is uh the territory mark stuff is wild we it's three straight weeks of territory marks all uh in tribute and honor to the von Erich family and world-class championship wrestling it's good stuff
0: well i'm glad i got to hang out with paul uh when we were in when i was in la last weekend so it's uh the It's wild, man. It's this fucking life is wild, bro. Never, never in a million years thought I'd become friends with Paul London. But and I'm sure you feel the same way. But here we are.
2: Here we are. And uh, if you want to hear more about the crazy stuff that we did, patreon.com slash podcasting after dark.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about that on Wrap Up After Dark this this month. Our whole fucking trip, we had so many awesome things to talk about from that trip. So many awesome things happened in such a short amount of time. It's it's yeah. fantastic. Um, but yeah, if uh, guys and gals, uh, if you're listening to us for the first time, check out uh, podcastafterdark.com for links for everything. Patreon, our merch store, just everything you can possibly want. Podcastafterdark.com, that's podcastafterdark.com. And advertisers say you should say it three times, so (laughs) podcastafterdark.com. Dude, thank you so much for uh, bringing this one to the table. It was a great way to end 2023 on a high note, or a dark note, I should say, probably.
2: Yeah, an incestual dark note.
0: And uh, as always, we'll see you guys in 2024. Uh, As always, I I fucked that up, but, uh, you know.
1: Oh, well, I was going to say, I didn't get a lot of airtime on this episode, but we'll catch you on the... We'll catch you on the dark side. Okay, Randy Cosby. Much more appropriate than
2: Santa Claus this episode.
1: Naughty, naughty. <laughs>